0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: Everyone out there, how you doing? It's another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton, uh, you know, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and give results for the shows. And today we have some fun shows to go over. This is our this is our our our, uh, our happy happy space. You know, if, if this was a Bob Ross painting. <laughs> and Happy Trees, and all sorts of other shit like that. Uh, because we're going to be going over a little bit of, uh, of Impact, uh, have a little conversation of a thing that was talk and chop mania, and uh, go over AEW, NXT with the Wednesday Night Wars. And uh, yeah, we uh, look forward to you guys listening. So get excited out there and shit. Uh, but before we do all that, I got to introduce... My uh, wonderful laughing buddy in the background, Christopher Brotheray Patton. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing wonderful, man. So it's, uh, it's been a great weekend so far. A little bit Got of happy. no complaints. A little bit of happy trees, as you would as you just said. Uh, no, I mean everything's going good. Lots of good wrestling this week. Really impressed on Wednesday night, and uh, ex- super excited to talk about one of the shows that happened this week. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, how, how have you been, man? How, how's your week been going? It was going good, man. You
1: know, it's it's hot in the warehouse. I always complain about that. But other than that, uh, it's good to have a good job with a lot of uh, fun fellow employees. And, you know, uh, I can't say it's, it's 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 too bad. Obviously, with all the stuff going on, you know, it's it's a little bit scary out there. But I think it's been less and less. As long as you don't pay attention to the news and then you just, you know want to crawl up in the bed and put a pillow over your face anyways but yeah I'm, I'm doing great how's it going
2: yeah I mean like same for same for us we we mostly uh, at my job we mostly deal with school districts so obviously a lot of our school districts are here in Georgia and that's a lot up in the air right now but uh you know great people I work with it's been it's been a good time it's a little nerve-wracking but uh nothing too crazy we're just we're strapping in. We're ready for the long haul. Trying to figure out how to get these kids their free meals, um, the best we can. So uh, I have been very fucking busy. <laughs> I'll say that because the entire scope of what I do on a day to day basis changed as soon as school started.
1: Sounds nutty, man. My my whole things with schools that affects my job is what was supposed to happen in the springtime with all the big field day shirts and, you know, any sports related thing or, or summer, whatever. Uh, and we didn't have that obviously because of COVID, but uh, yeah, that's usually the busy season for us because of school. So it's, it's great that we both have some type of concept that keep us busy and wanting to strangle ourselves with school systems. But you know, just like Trick Daddy, you gotta love the kids,
2: right? Yeah, I was about to ask you if you wanted me to in, uh, insert "Gotta understand, truly love the kids" <laughs> at the end of this conversation, <laughs> but you beat me to it.
1: Uh, same wavelength, bro. But uh, you know, we're kind of in speaking about it because it's relevant with the COVID era. You know, we have gotten very deeply into this weird era of wrestling that will go down in history. You know, with a lack of audience. Um, Somewhat more so in, in different formats. You know, everyone's trying their thing. I think that we can all agree that AEW has the best outlet with uh daily's place of taking advantage of that situation. Open out, you know, outs outdoors. It just comes off more. And I I appreciate everyone trying to do their thing. It just we've talked about it. It's weird because WWE. Well, for one thing, just across the board, I heard Jericho talking about this. Doesn't matter if it's Raw, SmackDown. Doesn't matter if it's AEW, NXT, Impact. You don't know who the fucks getting over with the fans because they're not there to be able to really give their reaction. So it's it's kind of a weird weird era and WWE's looking more like an independent show. Um, they have the same like level as Impact does, which is crazy. Uh, and everyone's trying new things and weird stuff. Some of it's hitting, some of it's missing terribly. off. I'm talking to you. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a weird a weird weird time. This is going to go back and you know the record books of like just a strange time in wrestling in general i would say chris
2: i would say the strangest time in wrestling of all like uh, man even going like i don't know you can dial this thing way back but this is definitely one of the strangest time in wrestling at least if you're a performer because you feed off the audience and that's how you know how to get your heat and uh no one to really turn it on i mean like if you're a good old school wrestler and you call in the ring like i I don't know what the fuck like rick flair would do right now with no audience i mean he'd probably just do the greatest hits but uh imagine a rick flair match where he couldn't draw off the crowd that'd be insane right so yeah it's tough tough time
1: tough time but people are doing what they can and i appreciate that um but uh, you know, I was actually about to go into uh, until uh, some type of organization, you know, ramshacks or show. But we're not we're not going over those shows. We're going over Impact and uh, AW and NXT. But before we get to that, we should definitely break down a a, a thing that happened due to this uh, a thing called Talking Shop Mania uh, or O Mania or however they pronounce it, in which uh, you know. Luke Gallows, Karl Anderson made their own pay-per-view uh, backyard wrestling. I mean, there was aspects of this that reminded me of Jackass, stuff that reminded me of the Three Stooges, something that reminded me of those videos that were like the best in backyard wrestling. You know, it was in Gallows' property, and they just went for it and did a bunch of ridiculous stuff. Had a lot of guests on it. Uh, I love the disclaimer at the beginning, apologizing basically to all the old timers, you know, saying that this is supposed to be a joke over and over again. Um, but that's what it was, man. It was, it was supposed to be something funny. They, they premiered it as the, the worst pay-per-view you'll watch. And I don't agree with that because I actually did find some entertainment value out of it because it was meant to be funny. I like seeing Chavo. I like seeing, you know, Rocky Romero. I like seeing the Canellas. Um, I think, I want to say, I was kind of drunk when I watched it, but I think Pillman Jr. was there. Um, And, you know, Enzo Amore, the real one. N-Z-O. Enzo. Um, In which, you know, after all the scrutiny that happened with them and him clearing his name, basically in court, and trying to get back into wrestling and doing a rap album and saying that he still has a lot of passion wrestling. wrestling. Me and you were kind of talking this before we went on air. Enzo might not be the most... uh, graceful in the ring but if you get him against a suitable opponent he's still fine there's a lot of wrestlers that are like that not all of them are you know ridiculous athletic monsters um and he even admits that as himself so he's been you know he's had a he's, he had one match he said with uh ricky and uh ricky morton and his son which is a new up-and-comer forgot what his name is but i'm actually excited that ricky morton has a younger son that's coming up in wrestling right now that's pretty cool put him with brian pillman man and make them like a badass fucking tag team, but he tagged with Pillman against them, and he he put up some type of ring, and he's been rolling around with a lot of people at his house. So looks like Enzo's trying to get better at his craft of wrestling, and he cut the worst promo of his life, and that was the whole point of it, where he just ran down the whole entire thing, and <laughs> was trying to make a jackass out of him and Gallows, and answering. it was pretty funny. Uh, Listen to him on busted open promoting the show and just what he's doing in wrestling. And I have to say that it's weird that this is the thing I got out of that because they had a boner yard match. They definitely did. Uh, They had Maria Kanellis in a bathing suit dancing with Carl Anderson. (laughs) Just ridiculous shit. But uh, I kind of miss Enzo. And I don't know. I think Impact would be the place for him to go. But his whole thing is like the the lack of audience would be too weird for him. So he's just kind of improving his crap. But in the meantime, you know, I told you this. It's like you take like, this Jersey tough guy, like kind of like a DDP, like early DDP, more more heelish, um, and combine aspects of Conor McGregor of the shit talking type of thing, and you got Enzo, and like I said, he's not the most suitable person in the ring, but I like to see him back in some way. Uh, you know, it, it, he still carries, or he was doing indie shows, Chris, with the WWE Cruiserweight belt that he has until they gave him a cease and desist, but. Uh, <laughs> He's a fucking crazy asshole. So uh, yeah, what did you think about Talking Shop?
2: It was a show. You know Who was really good on the show that's <laughs> not gonna get any not gonna get any love at all? Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> who
1: was just, the lizard Luchador that he fought? That he had apparently a, a grub, grudge match with?
2: I Chico, forgot. Chico El Luchador, maybe. I don't
1: know. It was so ridiculous, and I just had. <laughs> The right amount of tequila and beers in me, where it was like, this is this is something.
2: Well, look, if the club tells you to get drunk, you just get drunk, right? Like, you know, Anderson Gallas tell you, they edge you on. That's what happens. I, I think, honestly, the one thing I remember about this is the Nature Boy Paul Lee. <laughs> Do you remember this fucking guy? <laughs> woo woo! Every time he chopped. <laughs> His entire gimmick is he's, like, fake Ric Flair, but, like, in worse shape. (laughs) Even though Ric Flair's, like, 78. What the fuck? Oh, God, that was Uh, so stupid. I was very confused. I mean, like, look, dude, I'm not hating on Paul. I don't know enough about Paul E.'s career to, like... Well, one, it's, like, Paul E. every time I say it, which automatically makes me hate it. But I don't know enough about uh, the nature boy, Paul E., to really... (laughs) But I, I feel that was definitely a rib to put <laughs> Nature Boy Paul Lee versus Frankie Coverdale <laughs> in a match and then not have a fucking finish. Like, <laughs> the match just ended. <laughs> oh, my God. What
1: about the bone, Boner Yard match? Uh,
2: well, <laughs> that was a thing. I like the Enzo just gave the ending away <laughs> before the match started. This
1: reminded me of like CKY or, or 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 Jackass, where it's a bunch of friends just doing stupid shit. This one just happened to be
2: wrestling stuff. It what? totally reminded me. You ever you, you ever see that Trailer Park Boys episode where they just build a wrestling ring because Bubbles is super into wrestling? Yes. Yes. Okay. This is what that, this is essentially that.
1: Oh man. I, sure. wish, uh, I, I wish Steve Austin would have made an appearance. That would have been awesome.
2: So, Steve, I love...
1: I love seeing them drink with those guys.
2: If Austin made a fucking appearance, he would have to hit a fucking stunner on everyone on this show to be over still.
1: People just stand up out of their chair to let him give him a stunner, basically.
2: It's like, Even yeah. I, uh, this... Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and get this out there. If you are a fan of legitimate <laughs> wrestling and the sport of wrestling and you take it seriously as far as in-ring work goes and you have no sense of humor, this is definitely not the fucking show for you. They were right.
1: You're you're going to find more uh, wrestling that's being taken seriously, like with the match with Supreme when he got caught on fire than with this.
2: I'll just put it that way. I mean, Teddy Long introduced, like... <laughs> Teddy Long came out and just introduced... Like, a Russian tag team that was just, like, two random fucking dudes at one point in this show. Uh, I'm trying to uh, – Hornswoggle was there. He beat a guy by pulling his pants down. What the, I'm trying to remember what else happened on what show. I, One of the like,
1: things I love about this is that if you've heard, like, the Talking and Shop podcast with Chris Jericho, and I would definitely go back – You know, when they were traveling for WWE, they would stop in like Mexico. They had one in Europe, in New York City, and they would get completely hammered and have like Enzo would be there. Rocky Romero was in one, you know, just it was always the three of them, Jericho, Gallows and Anderson and a rotating person. But they were all talking about how they all got swindled and bamboozled like Gallows legitimately got himself involved in some type of wrestling thing by a very rich man in Africa. (laughs) <laughs> that got a bunch of wrestlers to go there and have matches for him. And he, he said it was very sketchy. Chris has done the same thing over Mexico, like getting himself in weird situations. Of, uh, in Canada, there was a guy that like had a bunch of money and had a huge house with a chandelier with the ring in the middle and paid a bunch of wrestlers to have a match. His house got fucking destroyed and shit like that, and the wrestlers didn't end up getting paid. And Jericho, I think it was like, Jer- there was a bunch of them involved in it. But anyways, getting back to this, now you have Gallows, who is in this position, him and Anderson, who pay a bunch of his buddies and random-ass wrestlers to come to his house and have a mock fucking pay-per-view of all mockiness, if you will. It's it's great.
2: You keep saying Gallows like that's a name that was on this pay-per-view. You mean Sex Ferguson? Is that who you're sorry, talking sorry. About?
1: Sex, Sex Ferguson.
2: Call him about that. him by his Christian name.
1: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> you know the club, sex the sex Ferguson and Chad. Too bad. <laughs> That's <a> tag, tag. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ! Uh, I mean, it's like something that fucking uh, what you call it? Tim and Eric would make if they had their own wrestling promotion.
2: Yeah, like at one point, Sick Boy and Lodi are just in this. I shit forgot about that place. too. Like I, can't, I haven't seen Sick Boy and Lodi in years. Oh. It's like, what? What? I mean, to be fair to Anderson and Gallows, they did tell us it was going to suck and to get really drunk before he watched it. I don't want to say it sucked. It was definitely an experience. I'll say that. Maybe not necessarily watched, a good one. But. I think for the comedic
1: value, and if you turn off anything and just realize what it is, uh, and I've, I've been critical over comedy stuff a lot in the past. But if you can do that, this pay-per-view is probably better than some of the fucking WWE pay-per-views we've had a, you know review this last year. So, um, in, in, in terms of entertainment value. So, it, 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 it is what it is. What did you think about Enzo? Do you, do you want to see him show up sometime in the future back in wrestling? I'm sure. thinking Impact would be a good place. That he could make a impact. But uh,
2: I mean, like he, he proved that he was innocent with his consensual penis song, right? So, oh my God. Uh, no, I mean, like Enzo, like for what it was, he, they lost their two top stars in the uh, two was it two hundred five cruiserweight mm-hmm. division or whatever, and he completely took over that role. and I thought he was fine at it, and then they just like were like, no, you need to wrestle, <laughs> you need to wrestle your friend. Um, and then we saw how that worked out, and then you know, obviously Cass got fired, and then shortly thereafter, because of the allegations, Enzo got fired. It's kind of just a sad departure for him because I thought he was having like a pretty good run. If you're a fan of 205 Live, as far as cruiserweights go, and uh, if you're asking me, if,
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> if you're asking me if he can go somewhere and uh, probably make the money and be a draw just because of his mic presence and, and who he is, then yeah, sure. I mean, the, the money ticket would him be him versus George. Nellis and he see. Almost whipped his ass. That blink One Eighty Two concert.
1: Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. If there was an AW thing, I don't think there would be, cause they're kind of tight about their, uh, I'm not going to say uptight. They, they're, uh, they pertain to more, I, I would say of a socially aware climate. Um, so I don't know if Tony would want to do it, just even even if he is innocent, based on his past. But Tim and Joey Janela would be a lot of fun to go for. But if he shows up on Impact, I'm down for that as well. Um, I think they could still use a few more stars on there.
0: Hey, but, uh, who
2: knows, man? Now that Raw Underground's out there, maybe him and uh, Tim Matonga show up, and they just have an underground match, unsanctioned, right? Not under contract. Real yeah, street can, fights. Yeah. They could do that for sure. That'd be great.
1: Um, but yeah, it, it would be interesting uh, to say, to, to say the least. Of you know, how you doing? Showing up <laughs> on uh,
2: on I, I will say, if you're like totally not a Enzo Amore fan, check out his check out the interview he did. I was a, I think it was with Ryan Satin. Is either Ryan Satin or uh, Chris Van Vliet? Chris Van Vliet yeah, check out that interview because I think he he describes very well what he was going through in WWE and how he perceives wrestling um, as opposed to being like a superstar athlete. He perceives it as more of being an overall superstar, like Hulk Hogan, which uh, kind of made me change my opinion on him a little bit as far as yeah his character. He,
1: I, you know, when it comes to and I've 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 told you I've used this as an example, and it's not necessarily true, just the way I perceive it. In the realm of when you say in-ring performer, you draw a line, you half it, one side is in-ring wrestler, the other side is in-ring um, entertainer. And you kind of, as an in-ring performer, you, go, you vary between the lines of how good you are as an in-ring wrestler or an entertainer, but t- people like to downsize, people like Hulk Hogan. First of all, they probably didn't see his work in Japan when he wasn't um, uh, the biggest name anymore or as valued as he was in America, even later on. Um, And if you can make the audience move and react in that way and know how to build off them, that's pretty impressive. Like, you know, one of my favorite matches of all time is the Rock versus Hulk Hogan, and it's not that great of a in-ring wrestling match. And I do like Enzo. I think he can contribute. I know he's not the best wrestler. But you got to realize, one of my dream matches uh, that will probably never happen is Kazucho Okada versus Roman Reigns. I know people would scoff at that, but I actually think that they would put on a great match. And I don't really take into the concept that I don't think Roman Reigns is a good wrestler because he's not (laughs) overly athletic. You know, he's suitable for that's the whole concept is suitable for where you need to be. You know what I'm saying, Chris? People don't get that. Everyone Mm -hmm. wants everyone to be like Rey Mysterio in the ring.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like when you say people are gonna scoff at an Okada and Reigns match, they haven't watched enough fucking Okada matches. Dude could wrestle a truck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: no, and I agree with that too. But I mean, (laughs) I I think Reigns is no shab. I mean, Undertaker put him over. We watched that Undertaker documentary. We talked about it on the show, and uh, I went back and watched that match. Like Reigns carried that entire fucking match for the most part, right? Yep. People give Roman Reigns way too much shit. And, uh, but it's the same look- perception
1: of why you wouldn't like Enzo. Like, he's not good enough. I don't think it helped him that they put him in the cruiserweight division, even though he's short. Like, there's a lot of stacked wrestlers in that whole entire thing.
2: Well, I think people were really invested in the, the tag team of Enzo and Cass. So breaking them yes. up, I, I don't think that people really felt that. Or even pulling Carmella away from them. I think people liked the entire concept of what Enzo, Cass, and Carmella was as a crew, as this Jersey crew, which is it's very different than what like you know Long Island IZ, Zach Ryder, and uh, Robbie E were doing because it was more of like a gritty version of that. Um, you know, kind of being disrespected from New York to some extent. If you ever lived in Jersey, like anyone, you can get called tunnel trash. Let's call it that. <laughs> let's just call a spade a spade. But that was more of what they were going for. Hey, I thought that was.
1: Remember the Jersey Triad, though: <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow, Chris Canyon, Diamond Dallas Page.
2: Fuck but uh, I, I thought that was cool. And then when they split them, I was like, okay, they're still a tag team. And as much shit as uh, Enzo gets, uh, he's not the he's not the person that gave himself a concussion in the very first match. That's that Simon Gotcha that got fired way before he did, right? <laughs> From the Bob yep. villains. Yeah, so I mean, I would just keep that in mind, and um, yeah, Enzo's fine. You just, get, I mean, I, I feel like if he's like working with Brock Lesnar, it'd be fine, right? You, you just gotta <laughs> yeah. have the right opponent. Like all he has to do is sell, right? He's gotta have to do, sell and do like a couple of moves, a pump up, and like he knows what his gimmick is. Now, you know do what I, I would
1: think do? in Impact, I would put him directly in a program with Sammy Callahan and <laughs> let sammy play the heel again and just have them just talk shit about each other and sammy can carry a match with enzo and they can look like they're brutally kicking the crap out of each other because they probably would be because i don't think sammy likes uh, enzo that much so it'd be interesting
2: <laughs> i mean like you know worst case scenario <laughs> he's wrestling sammy Calli, and it's like what do you want to do tonight he's like I don't know, you just want to brawl a lot, and they're like, "Yeah, it's kind of in my wheelhouse." <laughs>
1: <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, or put him against Moose—that would be ridiculous.
2: I think that he would shine against someone that's way bigger than he is. That's that's part of why the the him and Cass, in theory, the him and Cass feud would have worked because you can just throw Enzo all over the place, and he's just gonna bump and sell. But when you start asking him to do too many moves or whatever, yeah, like, there's going to be some things that show he's not, like you said, he's not Rey Mysterio, right? Like, No. not what the fuck you expect from Enzo Amore, right? He's, he's, the entire idea of the character is that he is a cocky badass because he hangs out with a dude that's seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That is very true. So, I mean. Hey, maybe you can get, like, Madman Fulton to be his new guy. Steal him away from Ace Fuck.
2: You know. But he did punk out Joey Janela, so there's that. God, that would
1: still be a lot of fun. I, I would love that. And just have, like, you know, um, what's her name? Or uh, what's what's Joey's? Sunny Kiss, like, just talking shit in the corner, like, <laughs> just, yelling the whole entire time.
2: Or Sunny Kiss comes in and whips both her asses. That'd be, like, fucking great. That would be great. <laughs> it's like, you guys both suck. Well,. Wrestling-wise, Sonny Kiss is better than probably...
1: Oh, yes. Like I said, this is praise. I know that he was kind of criticized back in his era for being a little bit true to... Well, I guess, like, dance-happy, like everyone fucking... Or that Jim Cornette gives Kenny, but... Really reminded me of Antonio Roca. Everything I saw, like, all those weird, like, little fucking... I, I really like Sonny Kiss. I think, I think he's a very suitable opponent in the ring. But, uh... Let's go over a little bit of Impact... Uh, a place that I said I hope Enzo maybe shows
2: up. I, I do have good. one question for you before you move on. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you think the Enzo thing would have been a, as big of a deal as it was in Ring of Honor if that asshole didn't try to shoot on Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame the night before?
1: Um. Yeah, actually. I think that could have been bigger than it was. I just think that, that the whole situation itself of how they did it was just dumb. You know, whoever was in charge of it, I know Bully knew about it. I don't know if he was the one who sanctioned it, but it does come off very ECW concept. The fact that other wrestlers didn't know that these guys were going to jump the fucking thing and you are sharing Madison Square Garden the first time with non-WWE with New Japan and they don't even know about any of this shit. There was a lot of stupidity in trying that out. And just to take that as like, oh, they got a bad reaction that we're not going to sign them now.
2: That eh, was kind of dumb on the Ring of Honor's uh, side, I think. I, I agree with you. It was just so weird that you got like an actual, like Bret Hart got attacked by a person. Basically, I'm back Daryl, except not getting shot. This dude just ran on stage and attacked him. And then you get this on the same... Like, if, if you hear about that, maybe you just cancel that segment. You're like, I don't know, man. Bret Hart getting attacked. We should we do something else with the yeah. same cast. Like, there's some way... That was the weirdest part about it to me is because the Bret Hart they thing it. happened... Yeah, and the Bret Hart thing happened first. So when this happened, like, the immediate jump to was like, this is a shoot. And that's scary. Um... Yeah, it was it was it was a weird. I, I even remember us talking about it afterwards. Like that was very weird. I think it was both. It was like I don't know what they're gonna do with Enzo and Cass. Which the the actual answer is nothing because uh, Cass still had some problems apparently, and uh, the roster did not like that. Nope. Turns out, turns out people like Jay Briscoe <laughs> doesn't like surprises like that.
1: No, you don't mess with Jay Briscoe. That's another person. <laughs> You, besides Tomatonga and Joey Ryan, or Joey Ryan, fuck, Joey Janela, um, Jay Briscoe definitely would like to take on Enzo one-on-one, <laughs> but probably not in the best way. Uh, that's good that you got some heat with people that you could legitimately probably make some money with, but they actually do want to kill you to an
2: extent. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Enzo is that he has a bunch of built-in matches because he has been such kind of a great heel since uh, leaving WWE to some extent. And and maybe not necessarily all on his own fault. Um, But, like, you know, him and Tamatanga could do business in New Japan if they wanted to do something right.
1: I think so. You know, I think with Enzo, it's all about money. That's the Connor concept is what I'm saying. He's even started talking shit to Conor McGregor before on Twitter, for Christ's sakes. He knows that he does this stuff, it creates interest, and there's a possibility of creating money. That's his whole concept. So he doesn't take it seriously. He's just trying to set something up, and if it happens, it happens. Do I think that's very intelligent? Not so much, but I get his concept as well. I mean, you, well, you got to I- have... You got to be signed to a fucking promotion, to be able to go against that set opponent. You can't just like throw some shit out there and talk a lot of crap.
2: I don't know the person I would have picked was Tamatanga for this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not.
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to get in a fist fight with Jay Briscoe. I'm not gonna try to talk shit to Tamatanga or Conor McGregor. I'm not gonna. Well, Joey Janelle is not that bad. So he's got one out of the four. That's not that bad of an idea.
2: Well, like, he didn't even know who Joey Janela was. He just tried to fight who him. Who the, the fuck, fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, like... So, what <laughs> That shows how over Joey Janela was before he got to AEW, where, like, Enzo was just like, who's this guy?
1: <laughs> fucking listen to Blink-182? Fuck. <laughs> uh. Oh,
2: man. That was such a wild... I remember the day that happened, because we did the podcast either that afternoon or the next day. And it was like... So anyways, Joe Chinella tried to, th- well, got f- he got punched or pushed or something, and he was just like wasted off White Claws, and then he went online later and he was like, I was wasted off White Claws, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure he
1: wonders why Penelope and Ford and him didn't work out together. Getting a fight with Enzo at a Blink-22 concert drunk off a of White Claws. Jesus.
2: And if you look at the two, you'd be like Enzo would be the one that's fucked up, right? But no, Enzo's like, you want to go, bro? <laughs> you want to fight? How you doing? Make some money? How you doing?
1: Fuck you? How you doing? <laughs> but let's uh, let's let's hope that the, uh, the the what is he what is he called? What is what is, what is his moniker now?
2: The real the one. one and only.
1: The real the, one. The, the real one. The one who fights people like Drew Gabagulak, You know when. <laughs> Let's hope that he shows up somewhere. It'll be fun. Uh, I could definitely, if anything, I think that he would be a suitable ma- manager. But that'll be like the last thing I'll throw out there.
2: You know, I, I but would, I, th- I, I would say throw him an impact in the Russell House. If you're gonna do the Russell House thing, that's a big personality to try yeah, to get I, that thing over. Because there's you know, still after watching the second that. episode, though, I'm kind of hoping that whole thing ends pretty soon. Well, uh, yeah, but it would get better if if he was there, right? Yeah,
1: as a character, fuck yeah, it would.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and also... NBA, yeah. Whatever the hell his name is. He could have good X-Division matches. You could throw him in there with some fucking, like, people that can actually work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Swan had some good matches, man. They could do it again.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you put him in there with... Like, you have to work around Enzo a little bit, but he can have a good match. And he's such a good promo. He's going to get your match way more over, like, than it would have been beforehand. Yep. especially when you're talking about two Oh five live, like, you know, Tony niece I love Tony niece I think he's a great athlete, good in ring worker, but like, I don't know that he's ever had a match more over than when Enzo was cutting promos on him or to some extent drew Gulak when he's not with Daniel Bryan.
1: Yep. I agree. Well, uh, let's start off this little bit of impact. Uh, we'll kind of breeze through it so much, but, uh, it started off with a, you know, this is weird. Uh, for two reasons. The second week in a row, they they went with a major title match at the beginning. And also, they're, they're, they're using their TNA title as a major title. I mean, they had a whole presentation. Uh, he's now considered, as in Moose, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. That was on the line. So I don't know what the fuck this is exactly. It's like they're now replacing their Legends title that they had in the past. But we'll go with it. We'll go with the fake title. He's going against... Uh, Heath Miller, and basically with the stipulation with Moose and Heath is that if Heath wins, he gets a contract uh, the, from Scott D'Amore. Um, and, you know, it didn't really work out with him. So at the end of it, Moose whips Heath into the turnbuckles. Moose continues to run his mouth. Heath nice. Pump kick. Heath uh, tees off on Moose. Heath with two running forearm smashes. Moose kicks Heath in the gut. Heath with a running knee strike. Heath drops Moose with a leg lariat. For a two count, Heath with a flying forearm smash. Moose reverses out of an Irish whip from Heath, and then he drives uh, dives over Moose. Uh, Heath rolls Moose over for a two count. Heath sends Moose uh, shoulder first into the middle turnbuckle pad. Heath inadvertently whips Moose into the referee. We have a ref bump. Heath connects with the wake up call. Uh, Heath tells the referee to get up after pinning him for probably about six seven seconds. And then Moose delivers a low blow Moose with a handful of tights to pick up the victory. Thought the match was good. Um, both these guys are tall, very athletic uh, Moose is he's like, he's not the most flashiest in the ring, but he's gotten good ever since he's turned heel on heel psychology in the ring and uh, coming off like a heel talking smack, just being his role. And I thought the ending was good. It's interesting because now Moose is still the TNA world champion Um, But with Heath, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. So this kind of creates more intrigue because he didn't win that match, so he didn't get a contract. I'm thinking that even though they they even brought up the he has kids concept, this is going to be a dissension that's going to turn Heath Miller into a more stronger character instead of being so goofy because of all this. Because he's going to get fed up with Rhino not being able to help him. He's going to get fed up with losing to, to Moose even though he got screwed over. And this will build him. So I'm just wondering how they're going to get him back involved in another match so that he can try to get to be a part of the Impact roster. But like I said, still, if that's the direction, great. If not, after what he cut on on Raw against Drew McIntyre and that, and you guys kind of dumbing him down to more of a comedy act, I don't know if I would have gone in that direction. So I'm uh, waiting to see. What, what did you think about this match, Chris?
2: This was a TNA match. It had a lot of fuckery in it. Yeah. Outside outside of the in ring stuff, I thought it was pretty good. Um It's crazy to think that he Slater's trained by Mr. Hughes and that whole crazy wrestling school with amazing red and AJ Styles. He's part of that. He's fucking really good. So if you unleash this monster and his wrestling abilities, he's really good. I think he actually started a school here in Georgia. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, if you guys want to go get trained by uh, Heath or his staff, uh, that's the thing that's opened up. But, uh, again, the match itself was okay. It's just, it had that, it, it made me feel like I was watching old TNA, if that makes sense. Because yeah. not not only did they go with the fuckery finish, it just immediately went to something else. Like, next thing, like, it's like as soon as it ends, Josh Matthews is talking to Madison Ray. It was just yeah. so wham-bam. There was no response on it, and I mean, I know some of that's editing because they're, you know, smashing a show together, or a lack of ex- audience. In lack of audience too, to some extent. But, uh, it, to me, this felt like a, like a, 2014-2015 TNA match. It's like, uh oh, well, they're working hard, but like this sucks.
1: So, what do you think is going to happen with Heath? I mean, how does he get himself back to the dance?
2: Was he ever at the dance? He
1: sneaked <laughs> in the back door, apparently. <laughs> at the Is, end of or, the uh,
2: episode, or was he like the weird kid with moonshine under the bleachers? He's like, I don't got a date, but then everybody hung out with him afterwards. So that's kind of where I see Slater. Well, um, <laughs> that's a funny scenario. Like I love great him. analogy. I, I love Heath Slater, but uh, I, I don't know. Turn him heel? It's that, I'm down for k- that. That's kind of the only option you got, right? Like uh, He lost a Moose. Mo- obviously, the Moose program is not Heath Slater. To me. Cause I mean, EC3 versus Moose, right? That's the, yep. the end goal, so Moose is going to hold this title until EC3, I would assume. So, uh, I don't know. Throw him on that this fucking dumbass thing we're going to talk about later, where he's in Reality Wrestling World or whatever.
1: <laughs> All right, so just just in case, I do appreciate this new website I'm using for the breakdowns called WrestlingHeadlines.com. I checked them out. It's just a good breakdown. But I found out last time when me and Chris were talking that sometimes they put the segments out of order. So I don't know if that's going to happen or if that was for certain reviews, but I'm just warning you, I'm reading from what I got. Um, so we got Josh Matthews, like you said, and Madison Ray, plug the upcoming... Emergence event, which will be uh, a two-week uh, event on Access TV. Um, so that's that's cool. They're kind of doing, I guess, the same thing that, obviously, NXT and AEW did with these little mini-events on their shows. GM um, Miller interviews Willie Mack. Willie doesn't have um, any intel on uh, Rick Swan's announcement that will be at the end of the night. Mack calls Eric Young a dirtbag for hurting his brother. Kimberly offers... To lay out Jordan Grace in order to get a shot at the Impact Knockouts Championship, Deanna Perrazzo accepts the offer. Um, this week, Impact Plus flashback moment of the week was Sammy Callahan defeating Brian Cage in a steel cage match to become the uh, Impact World Champion. Awesome match too. I, I don't know why they just showed the ending. I would have liked a little bit more than that, but that was definitely a good match. Besides Sammy having to ha- like drool uncontrollably and have like just loogies coming out of his mouth always I don't I don't understand that but the biggest thing Chris I will say out of all these things was EC3's promo and him basically not only saying and clarifying yes I'm going after Moose I'm going after the TNA title but he's erasing his past uh, He. that's the whole concept of his new character is like I said he's trying to base this off of Tyler Durden a bit and just erase the old character and the old perception of EC3 and make this new character and you know that's one thing i I will give uh impact credit a lot of their segments even that silly reality tv show thing it's well produced and especially these these one-offs like this so uh i liked it but uh any comments on any of those segments specifically the ec3 promo
2: yeah you asked me about the one thing i was going to be positive about uh yeah ec3's promo (laughs) was great what's skin this week it's like he returned home. It's almost like a company didn't know what to do with this guy, which is crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> here's, a, here's a great quote I just found on this. <laughs> Let me just say it to you. I have arrived in Impact Wrestling to reclaim the TNA World Heavyweight Championship and burn its legacy to the ground. What does that mean? I don't even know. It's awesome.
2: I, I don't know. I, I, I will say I like the Rich One. Uh, it was Rich One and Willie Mack, right? Well, it was Willie Mack
1: talking on behalf of Rick Schwann saying he didn't know what the announcement was at the end of the night. But we all did.
2: Yeah, and then, yeah, Eric Young showed up. I, I like I like Eric Young's character right now. That's It's interesting to me. Um, I have no fucking idea what happened with Joss Matthews and uh, Madison Rayne and Purrazzo and this emergence. They didn't announce any of the fucking matches. It was just a clusterfuck of like, hey, this shit's coming your way, guys. At least how I saw it.
1: (laughs) Little teen segments, back to back to back to back.
2: Yeah, so the EC3 shit was great. And uh, I guess we'll get into the Jimmy Jacobs shit, which if you watch this on Twitch or if you watch the Twitch recap was some of the best shit of all time because people were super marking out for Jimmy Jacobs versus Alex Shelley, which is probably not going to happen, but I was very excited that people were so stoked about that.
1: Yeah, so we had a segment in which Jimmy Jacobs kind of having his own type of interview thing and not making it so over the top, giving it a name and shit like WWE tends to do, but just a sit down interview with Motor City Machine Guns. Alex Shelley said they have all known each other for years and they have put blood, sweat and tears into pro wrestling. The only reason why they came back to Impact was to challenge themselves. They went on their separate ways in 2012. Shelley is proud of the things that he accomplished during his stint in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, and he's even more proud of Saban, who not only became a world champion, but his resiliency to come back after three torn ACLs. That's fucking crazy. Saban is a modern medical miracle. When Sabin was working towards returning to the ring, who else was he going to call but his old partner, and they found that chemistry again. And uh, Motor City Machine Guns are proud to be champions again and excited. The quality of tag teams in Impact Wrestling, the North comes out to interrupt them. So we start off with Josh Alexander, who is not a bad promo. He's just much more straight to the point. Josh Alexander says he, that Impact had a year to give the North the chance to tell their story, but didn't go, but didn't do that. However... Here's uh, Motor City Machine Guns getting the preferred treatment, just like they did when they were granted titled shots so quickly. Ethan Page talks about, and Josh breaks this down, and then Ethan Page freaks the fuck out when he gives compliments towards them. And Ethan Page is just really money on the fucking mic to me. Ethan Page talks about how they were the longest reigning Impact World Tag Team Champions Um, MCMG didn't beat the North when they were ready. The North didn't turn down anyone, and they defeated the entire division before them. Alexander has to calm down Paige. Shelly wants to know if they should give the North a standing ovation. The North learned a hard lesson a couple weeks ago. They would no longer be champions one day. So here's the deal. The North can have their title rematch anytime they want. Shelly says that Paige uh, rated Rick Martel's uh, closet, and Alexander looks like Rick Steiner. He challenges the North to a match. Right now, North wrestled at 40% a couple weeks ago, and they aren't going to do it again without proper preparation. They will get a rematch on the, on the terms of being 100%, and they're going to take their tag titles back at Impact Emergence. So part of that two-week thing, um, on Impact, they'll have their rematch. But um, I really like this man. Motor, Motor City Machine Guns look cocky. I like the storytelling. I hope that is true that, that they were, you know, kind of on their way out. But then they, they started training together for Chris Aben's comeback and they realized that they had something themselves. So that prompted them, you know, with Alex maybe coming out of retirement completely and going back for the titles. And I, I think Ethan Page is a fucking his aggression his, his like he's believable and he's an asshole he's one of my favorite heels you know across the board so i like this i think they had a pretty damn good match i'm looking forward to another one i think this is a good setup what do you think
2: so the one thing i don't like about this is chris Sabin is a former heavyweight champion in dna and they don't do a good enough job of putting that over as why this team is such a threat. They talk about their tag team accomplishments, but Chris Saban, in general, has won every fucking belt <laughs> that you could pretty much have in TNA. Um, and well, they Shelley did
1: mention that, though.
2: Eh, I guess he did, but I'm talking more about the announcers and, and, and putting yeah. it over um, more so than just Alex Shelley being like, hey, you won the title um i like the north a lot i kind uh, i don't so they're gonna have this match with the you know motor city machine guns again and where do they go from that whoever has the title i I guess motor city machine guns versus uh gallows and anderson right because that's like kind of a dream match is that exactly where you go right after this
1: I think that's the destination, but I don't know if it has to be next. But, yeah, that's definitely where I'd want to go.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I'm looking at, like, what they've accomplished, the Motor City Machine Guns. They've won tag belts wherever they went. So, like, they're up there with the Dudleys. The only place they don't have tag belts at is WWE. So maybe towards the end of their career, they'll show up and – get, like, just one good tag run, <laughs> you know? It's not
1: like they don't have any uh, reason to be in NXT at some point, Well, you know, at least.
2: Well, one of them trained and almost got signed there, and he was like, yeah. ah, I don't know. It seems like this thing's not going so well. <laughs> That's too bad. I will say uh the North is... Like, because I wasn't watching TNA for, like, the past six months until Slammiversary, as we talked about on previous podcasts, but the North... Uh, that's a good fucking tag team, dude. Yep, they're great. So I, I'm excited to see more of this feud. I thought the promo was good. I thought the comeback from the North was good. Uh, specifically, uh, I can't think of his name right now. You just mentioned his name, and I can't think of it. Fuck. Justin Alexander of, or just Paige? Ethan Page. Ethan All Page. Ethan Page. All ego. It's 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 a really hey. good Keel promo. He's he's fucking good.
1: And. Yeah. Big ups to Ethan Page because the man is super busy, but The Rock called out Ethan Page and told them basically that he was a fan of his, and that's his biggest influence bar none. So pretty cool to get some praise from The Rock. I love how The Rock has done that with Ricochet in the past and giving him praise. And I love that even though he's so fucking busy, he still keeps up with wrestling and not just WWE likes to branch out. He's praised MJF before, too. So that's, that's pretty fucking awesome. I saw that on Twitter.
2: I feel like you should put a fucking call into Vince and be like, what the fuck are you doing with Ricochet, dude? <laughs> put him Ugh. over on Twitter and you're an asshole. <laughs> He's Jesus. pretty good. Um, no, nah, that's that's a different joke altogether. But, yeah, I, I like this segment. I thought it was pretty pretty good, and I'm excited to see more of the North versus Motor City Machine Guns because why would you not be excited for that? Still, the Motor City Machine Guns are back together, goddammit. You should be excited.
1: Yes, I agree, man. God, I'm still hoping that somehow they get the fucking um, uh, what the hell, beer money. Just let Bobby Fish go, and James Storm shows up. Fucking just fuck some shit up. It'd be great. Oh,
2: God, if they let if Bobby Roode gets released, or Storm
1: is if just- Eddie. Sorry, keep him going.
2: No, I was going to say, because James Storm is basically on furlough from NWA, and they're able to work wherever they want. If you could get those two back together with Beer Money, Motor City Machine Guns, that's a money match wherever you go. The only thing yeah. I would say would be like more impressive, and we kind of talked about this offline, would be if you could do a crossover event with Motor City Machine Guns versus the Young Bucks again, because the, yeah. the, the title of the Young Bucks where the they were the young version of the motor city machine guns to some extent. So that would be, uh, that'd be fucking great. Also beer money is awesome. (laughs) So
1: I mean, and they have that option. Uh, It's, it's relying off of old tag teams, but they have some new guys, you know uh, the Dawson's Reno scum, uh, the rascals that are all building themselves, Willie Mack and Rick Swan. They're pretty damn awesome tag team. Uh, Well, they can't do it now, but you know what I'm saying? But We have the rumors that, you know, Homicide might be coming back to get back with Hernandez, so you got fucking the original LAX, and who knows, maybe if Eddie loses that title, they can get Davey out of retirement, and then you have the fucking American Wolves, too. So, I'm just saying, there's a lot of possibilities, and they already have a pretty structured tag division already, so...
2: It, it's like they saw that shitty tweet where they were like, this is the best tag team division of all time. And they're like, oh, really? Well, we just got the club, Motor City Machine Guns. We're going to bring back the American Wolves, LAX. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like Impact got pissed off. I could see all of that happening. and it, and uh, The Bobby Roode thing is the only thing that's up in the air for me as far as <laughs> – I mean, they have stacked the tag team division. And the North is, is fucking great, too. Like I said, I'm very impressed with them. Like I said, I hadn't watched probably six or seven months before Slammiversary. But after watching Slammiversary and going back and watching more of the North, uh, that's a great fucking tag team, dude.
1: Really good. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, let's go to the next match. We had the Impact World Championship. I like that. Eddie's doing this with the world, heavy, the biggest championship they have. He's doing open challenges every week. So I mean, yes, they're doing that pretty much with AJ's getting forced to do it, and uh, you know, you have obviously uh, Cody doing it with the TNT title, but that's what that's what Eddie wants to do with this world title, and it was great because his arch nemesis, the one that fucking almost ended his career by accidentally hitting him in the face with a uh, with a steel baseball bat for real and knocking his eye out and breaking his orbital bone um, came for the challenge uh, b- but because he pissed off Rob Van Dam by doing that shit with his, uh, with his wife Rob came out, beat the crap out of Callahan but he still s- scooped himself up after getting, taking a beating from RVD, got himself to the ring and him and Eddie had a great match I think these guys have really good chemistry Callahan is not the prettiest guy in the ring Eddie uh, for, uh, on the other hand is pretty damn pretty in the ring. I love Eddie Edwards. You know, we're talking about that crossover concept. But we'll kind of go into that more after we're done with this review before we do AEW, because it kind of crosses them. But, man, if you didn't have, in this scenario of Impact versus AEW, if you didn't have uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega still as a tag team, I would love Eddie Edwards and Kenny Omega in a match. I think they would fucking kill it. Um, but at the end of it, you know, still Impact World Champion. Eddie Edwards at the end of the match. Callahan with a roll through super kick. Callahan with a brain buster for a two count. Callahan headbutts Edwards several times. Callahan with a straight right hand. Edward kicks Callahan in the face. Edwards with a forearm uh, shivers. Edwards with a knife edge chop. Edwards headbutts Callahan. Callahan responds with the GTS. Callahan with a uh, sliding forearm smash for a two count. Edwards with a forearm uh, shivers. Uh, Edwards drops um, Callahan with a step-up enziguri. Edwards delivers another Tiger driver for a two-count. Callahan with an open palm strike. Callahan connects with the cactus special for a two-count. Edwards had his foot on the bottom rope. Callahan grabs a steel chair. Callahan dumps the chair out of the ring. Edwards plants Callahan with two Boston knee parties to pick up the victory. And, uh, yeah. It was basically good match. I, I don't know where they're going. I like him being this working champion. I don't think it's going to work out for them for too long of a time. We need someone with a little more gravitas or, or, or a, more of a character, I would say. Probably, preferably a heel in the role of having that championship belt. But I like Eddie Edwards. I thought this was a good match. It was him kind of getting one of his biggest rivals out of the way. And now Sammy's obviously going to be going in the direction with RVD, and they should have a lot of fun because you have RVD that plays off the agility aspect. Callahan's good, lo- pretty good with wrestling, and both of them, obviously, are accustomed to extreme rules, and they're probably going to do something like that, so uh, I like this match. What'd you think, Chris?
2: This was easily the best match of the show, in my opinion, and uh, I, the thing I loved about Sammy Callahan towards the end of this match is, at one point, he goes to get a chair, and he's conflicted about it so he's starting to kind of turn i guess or like not be an asshole because he could have just murdered this guy with a chair like he gets a chair he drops it he's like "Ah, i don't know but then he loses he's like fuck so i like the tormented version of sammy Callahan quite a bit i think that's cool uh eddie edwards is amazing if they put him in undisputed error that'd be like the most unstoppable team of all time
0: (laughs) jesus (laughs) like
2: Hey, you guys want to work? <laughs> just join Undisputed Air. Um, Eddie Edwards was great here. Uh, I like the championship run. I like the open challenge thing. I, I have nothing against it. And we kind of we talked about this after Slammiversary where I was like, I think he's just going to try to defend it against anyone and anyone that was near that right for a while until Eric Young, because it just seems like Eric Young is the natural challenger. Hmm. But. Uh, I, I could be wrong on that. I guess we'll see. I mean, EC3 is definitely going to kill Moose, so I would say Eric Young is probably the end pay-per-view match for this uh, setup.
1: Do you think eventually it's going to be a unification of the two titles, like the two champions going against each other, so maybe EC3 versus Eric Young once they take those titles off of Moose? and If they do, you know what I'm saying?
2: Probably. I hope that like if EC3 wins the title, he just destroys it because it's not a real belt. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like uh, especially if he's playing this like uh, Fight Club type character where nothing is real or whatever, you're kind of a a mirage of your own self in a mirror. So him destroying the title could make sense there. I don't know. I don't know what Don Callis has got cooked up. I just know that EC3 has been fucking great, and uh, this main event was pretty, pretty good. We didn't talk about uh, the wrestling house, though. It's
1: next, at least listed on this, so we're, we're getting to it. Uh, first it. first Gallows uh, and Anderson were, all, were going to their SUV. Uh, there was beer cans everywhere. This happened earlier in the uh, evening. Uh, beer cans everywhere, and a cop came over, and Ace Austin suggested, basically, he called the cops... They planted it, obviously, and made it look like Gallows was, you know, he he claimed to be the driver, so they arrested him. Later on, Carl Anderson is on the phone with him at the jail saying that he'll be bailing him out soon. And as he's leaving, uh, Ace Austin kind of, you know, well, he ends up punching Ace Austin in the face, but he kind of got him in, Madman Fulton lays him out, and they beat the shit out of him in the backstage area and just leave him. And then Hernandez hires... Uh, reno scum to get his money back from rhino so they're continuing this weird scenario and i love how hernandez has the giant hulk hogan mustache uh we're about to get into wrestle house did you have any comments about those two segments chris
2: i think i'm done with the drunk driving angles in wrestling and maybe don't don't repeat them on shows because it's not entertaining one, because it's fucking dangerous, and, and it's not just dangerous in a wrestling way, like, where he got thrown off the top of a hell of a cell or some shit. It's like, it's like drunk driving is not something to fucking make jokes about, or which is kind of what they did here. It's like, oh, he got a DUI. I'll just go get him out. Um, I get they were, like, following up on uh, Talking a Mania or whatever, but I, I didn't dig it. Um, also, like, you know... They're kind of badass when they were in the club and this is more of a joking side of them which I guess is okay but I, the joke
1: didn't land for me They need to turn it up and I agree with that completely yeah that will let it in more
2: I mean just the on on the cuff of like the Jeff Hardy shit it's just it's it just seems bad and distasteful I guess. As much as, like, you could say wrestling is distasteful, because there's been a bunch of fucking very distasteful shit over the years, but it's like, yeah, you know, like, we don't need a DUI anymore. Maybe don't drive. Take a Uber, dude. You got a cell phone. You have money. It's fine. <laughs> what the fuck are you driving?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's go over to WrestleHouse. Goddamn. So, I. Uh, Last week I said it was charming, I I don't <laughs> I don't hate it completely. There's been a lot of other stuff that's been done that's way worse than this. There's a lot of funny ass moments, you know, um, but I liked one thing that Kylie Ray was talking about. I want to get back to the impact zone, so that makes me think it's not going to last that much longer. So on this episode, Chris, we had a couple things that happened. Uh, we had uh, Kylie. Spilling the beans to, I forgot what the hell his name is, the one that Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie are trying to take advantage of, um, that they're using him. Uh, then we had a match from some altercation with TJ Perkins and Falabaugh, uh against Chris Bay and Rojette Raju, in which uh, I believe, yep, TJP and uh, Fallaba won with submission. Uh, We also had uh, later on a match with Rosemary after she found out and was fucking furious by Kylie Ray mentioning anything uh, because he had left uh, only to come back right at the end of the match after Rosemary lost. But that was pretty funny when she screamed Tommy and Tommy Dreamer is the host of the show, which is always fun. You know, this is kind of the humor kind of reminds me of the Edge and Christian show to an extent. Except for Edge and Christian, show is funnier. But Tommy being there is pretty good. Uh, so Rosemary and Kylie actually have a pretty decent match. And she wins. And uh, Joey, whatever the fuck his name is, comes back. And of Valkyrie was the referee. She was pretty funny in the match. Uh, just talking shit and trying to help out her friend Rosemary. And that's about it. So that was the uh, second episode of whatever the fuck this is called. I forgot it. What did you think?
2: best part of this thing and i gotta talk about it because it's my most favorite part (laughs) kylie takes rosemary's nose oh my god and says i got your nose and rosemary says what kind of sorcery is this the rest of it i don't care about but that was really good (laughs) um this is probably something that should die (laughs) very quickly if you're trying to get if you're trying to get your product taken seriously and I mean like I know AEW had the stadium match and shit but it was built around a lot of other feuds that were serious Uh, this is like they're going completely goof off the wall This like EH1 is producing Impact uh, well, I gave it, you know, I gave it a try on the first week. I was like, this is not any worse than the uh, Viking Raiders or the Street prophets doing the challenges or whatever. I mean, it's the same. It's ridiculous. like why would they do that? But uh, uh, second, I'm gonna give it one more week. Rosemary saved it because I was ready to shit all over this until she was like, what kind of sorcery is this? Uh, which saved it for me. <laughs> I love Rosemary. Yeah, she's great you know, they could just have her have good-ass wrestling matches against, uh, you know, their champion. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. Um, but, all right, so the ending of it uh, basically had uh, Eric Swan coming out to make an announcement. And this is a good emotional announcement. I know that, obviously, this is not real, and this is going to somehow eventually he'll get over his, his leg and come for Eric Young in a big way. And I think they're doing some long, long-term booking, uh, Scott Moore and uh, Don Callis. And I like this. I like the presentation. It was very emotional from the heart, uh, very convincing. You know, they just let him just go. And at the end of it, you know, after saying that, basically, doctors said that, you know, I'm gonna ha- if I keep on doing this, even after this heals, I'm going to have a limp for the rest of my life. You know, uh, that's how bad of a damage my legs are at this point. And then you had all you know him announcing his retirement. You had all the baby faces come out, you know, friends of his, Eddie Edwards, Willie Mack in the ring, you know, consoling with him. And then he they all like give me a standing ovation from the ring, and he goes up the ramp to exit, kind of, you know, symbolically. And Eric Young comes out, fucking hits him in the leg with a chair, hits it a couple more times, and fucking ditches it. Eddie Edwards is up there, Willie Mack, they're fucking furious. They're looking for him and shit like that. And this is really going to fuel Edwards to go after Eric Young even more so. Eric Young's coming off, and I you know, I, I hate to compare him, but Dastardly, Lee, he reminds me a lot of Tommaso Ciampa a couple of years ago of just how evil his perception was and how he's this crazy man that's, that's going to fuck people up. And I liked it. The way they timed it was really good. I thought it was kind of... I mean, it made sense because the babyfaces were trying to give him a standing ovation while he exited, so none of them were up on the ramp. And then he did that in a couple seconds, caused a lot more damage, and got the fuck out of there. So I like this. I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to Edwards and, um, and Young uh, having a match eventually. And uh, I think that, uh, that uh, Eric Young, you know, and he's been a babyface a lot more, but he's doing a good job as being a fucking dastardly heel. What would you think?
2: Yeah, it turns out that Eric Young's a pretty good wrestler. The <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, no, I thought this was awesome. I thought it was really, really cool. I like they pull all the baby faces into the ring for the uh, retirement. I don't want to say retirement ceremony because it was a huge deal. But it was basically like he's retiring, so the good guys got to go into the ring. This is very like 1970s, which is why I appreciate it. It's like all the good guys are in the ring, so when he gets smashed – by the bad guy there's no one to save him he's just gonna be there crying a lot and then i also liked it afterwards eric young got the fuck out of there it was great i thought this was very very good 1970s 1980s uh in mid-south loved it
1: but needless <laughs> to say definitely think it was a damn good impact and uh they're building themselves really well uh who knows if anyone else is going to show up? We know that there's some major wrestlers like Leo Rush and, and Rusev still on the market. You know, we, we talked about Enzo. And also, a kind of a cool concept. Uh, Dax and Cash have talked about really wanting to have an awesome match with the North. And they brought this up again on Twitter and they ta- they tagged Scott Damore, who's obviously the executive president of Impact, and said, Hey, basically, like, hey, talk to your 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 leaders, you know, Tony Tony and stuff. We'd love to have something, in, or you know, maybe it could have been just a joke and n- nothing to take seriously, but if you talk to your guys, maybe we can do something interpromotional with the North taking on um, uh, FTR, and that of course got fans uh, you know, curious, because Impact could use some publicity obviously on their end to help legitimize their product more so than they have right now, and they, I think they've done a good job of it, but AEW also kind of, you know, with their all-in type of attitude and, and Tony Khan even saying that, you know, I don't know exactly what is going on with New Japan. I think that that's more Bucks and Kenny related, but Tony's thought of NWA and Ring of Honor and New Japan doesn't really count them out as possibly having some type of involvement in the future. You know, he kind of put it as that. We know WWE would never do that. So for the industry, even if it would be a small little event between Impact uh, in AEW, where maybe they do a simulcast, they could do something like that, which would be groundbreaking. Or they can have a pay per view they build up in a couple months, where it's both things. The only problem that we always say about this is who's going to win it. What do you have like the last one go to like a 30 minute draw? I mean, you could. Impact could take the loss because honestly, AEW is helping them out really when it comes to this. So maybe they lose by a point and they have another one, you know, next year or whatnot. But if we're just fantasy booking it, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But stuff like this is kind of fun. And I would love a couple matches that I'm just going to put out there. Uh, Willie Mack and Rick Swann versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Um, I'm going to go uh, Abaddon versus Rosemary in some type of weird fucking match. Um, I will say Kylie Ray versus Britt Baker. Ultimate heel versus ultimate babyface type of concept. And they've already had matches before in the past. Uh, obviously, North versus FTR. Obviously, Motor City Machine Guns versus the Young Bucks. Kenny Omega versus Eddie Edwards. And uh, do I have anything else? I think I think uh, the Good Brothers. Who do you have the Good Brothers go against? That's a good question. Um,
2: I don't know. I mean, for me, SEU, but that's probably not the answer people are looking for. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, ah, come on, like, what's... I
1: mean, you could do, I guess you... you
2: no, that doesn't make any sense. I, just Daniels being thrown in. Daniels and Kazarian being thrown in with those guys, that'll be a good-ass match.
1: I mean, you could do, technically, if you if they're still around Adam Page and Kenny versus, you know, Carl and Gallows for a lot of reasons, but I'd want individual matches instead. Like, not that. And then I would put Moxley against Sammy. Callahan because they've had already fucking burn you know hardcore matches up the ass beforehand. So there's a lot of cool things that you could do, Chris. Do you have any ideas? And what do you think of the aspects and the in the reality if if it could actually happen between Impact and AEW having a simulcast or maybe even a pay-per-view to kind of have like matches between their promotions.
2: I mean, if you're gonna do it, I would do like a ladder match of some sort since the Young Bucks have done so many in the past for the titles. Um, you put Kenny Omega and Adam Page who aren't known for their ladder matches. You get the Young Bucks, you get the Motor City Machine Guns, you get Anderson and Gallows, and you can throw like two other techniques, you can throw a Dark Order in there and you can throw the North in there and have, that would be my main event probably. I think they'll probably be the best shit on the show. Um, Sammy Callahan versus John Moxley was the first thing that came to mind just because of CZW. Um,
1: Who does Darby go against? Who's like a... Y- Darby Allen versus Ace Austin.
2: That'd be good. I'd have, they would have a good match. Um, I mean, I guess you get Sheeta versus uh, Perazzo. Perrazzo? Yeah. That would be uh, fun. Maybe
1: R V D versus Jericho?
2: R V D versus Jericho would be really cool. See I feel but like you can do. I feel like you have to almost do a tournament or something so that everyone feels like they win at the end. Yeah. That's but, the only problem with these kind of things because, you know, obviously AEW is doing better numbers than Impact at the moment, but Impact has a really good roster right now, so there are people you can utilize and have oh, a really good show. here's break.
1: another one. MacaDona versus Heath Miller.
2: Sure. for Brian Myers with his Lucha mask.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You'd, need, you'd probably need some type of battle royal. You'd need some type of other things to be able to include a lot of people where you can have moments. But, yeah, I would definitely do Lucha Brothers versus Willie Mack and Rick Swan. They used to be an awesome tag team. Um. Well, if Rick is healed up by
2: then. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only thing with that one is like... uh, Oh,
1: and obviously EC3 versus MJF needs to be a fucking match.
2: See, I want EC3 versus Cody. (laughs) That's
1: a good one, too, because you could do MJF versus Eric Young. They're two most evil heels, you know, if you wanted to.
2: I just feel like the MJF would refuse to be part of this Impact shit as his character. He's like, no. <laughs> this is beneath me. <laughs> that would be hilarious
1: if you actually had the balls to do that. I mean... Although him, I mean, him, that, him and Ethan Page would be fun.
2: I mean, that's what his character should do. He's like, this shit, Wardlow. Go out and wrestle my match for me. I mean, that's that's where his is at right now. I mean, like, you know, that... At the same time, it does shit on Impact a little bit, but it is MJF's character, so I don't know what the fuck you're going to do about that. He's not going to wrestle TNA match.
1: <laughs> if, if you have like Wardlow going to this place and he's just cocky and you already had the match with EC3 and Cody, maybe, even if EC3 loses, which is where I would position that, he comes out and fucking just decks MJF just for a moment, you know, you can still do something like that. Because that, you know... Stuff that the crowd wants to see, obviously, would be... The North versus FTR would be an awesome fucking match.
2: I mean, obviously, this is, like, huge fantasy booking, but if
0: I was doing it, I would
1: have... What about LAX versus LAX versus, uh, what what are they called now? Pride and Powerful again. They always do a good match.
2: I think I would bring it back to EC3 versus uh, Brian Cage and have EC3 win and be like, we don't care what happens on the rest of the show, but fucking EC3s going over because he's our top guy. Or Adam Page versus Moose. <laughs> That'd be a fun match. They had to have worked together before. I need to look that up. There's no way that those guys haven't...
1: <laughs> like... I'm just saying, it, it would be a fun concept and it would help give a rub to Impact, bring a little bit of credibility, and show that AEW is willing to work with others. And want, It's more about the wrestling than just them, you know, which is what they were trying to kind of promote, I think, in the, uh, the the first place.
2: I mean, I guess, unless it's stardom, in which they're like, here's all the stardom wrestlers.
1: <laughs> they kind of need all the stardom wrestlers, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's like, we're only against people that want other talent back, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> didn't they have, like, MJF was still in MLW at one point, and, like, Kenny's in AAA or whatever, he's got the... Did he ever lose that title? <laughs> like
1: no conan was talking about that Oh lord i think that drives him crazy a bit because they did that and it makes sense but you know kenny's only there for the big shows and obviously they've slowed down on shows so all the other shows are like you know roosh la park the lucha bros uh blue demon junior like those uh and psycho clown those are their big guys pagano But Kenny's supposed to be the champion. (laughs) And they can only have him once in a once in a great while.
2: Yeah, and they have to be careful with what that championship is, because depending on how long this thing rides out, like, he could break a record or something, and that's not necessarily what you want, right? So like that's like that's like a Brock Lesnar streak, man. (laughs) It's like blue Blue Demon Jr. showing up and just beating him for this title randomly would be probably something they should do in the near (laughs) future.
1: yeah i mean those are all huge guys i don't know why they haven't had it on the line between either him and phoenix or him and pentagon and just giving the belt to the other person because they're both past champions you know
2: one of my favorite things of all time is pentagon riding in the back of that truck it's the most exciting thing i've seen in wrestling in a little
1: pentagon's one dude he's one of the best (laughs) so good (laughs) all right well let's let's talk about AEW. um before we go into it, I thought it was a cool, like, little uh, mini article. Well, not an article. Chris is now doing these Saturday shows that if you have nothing to do, you can definitely listen to him later on, but he just kind of goes over for an hour to two hours with the fans and just talks to him and answers questions. Another fantasy aspect, obviously, especially one of the people I'm about to fucking say. But he was asked if he could have, like, up to six people from other promotions, you know, just grab them, be able to take them, who would they be? And you'll be surprised with some of them, I think. Um, He said he would take Will Ospreay and and, um, Kota Ibushi um, from New Japan if he could. He'd take uh, Roman Reigns, Ricochet, and Cesaro. And then he would put Don Callis as one of his main producers slash managers slash whatever. But um, pretty big praise, I would say, for some of those uh, choices. And, I mean, I think all of us would love that. He noted with New Japan, he would love to say someone like Okada, Tanahashi, but they would never leave New Japan. So it's kind of, like, impossible for him to even include them in that type of discussion. Not that he's going to get fucking Roman Reigns anytime soon. So, But uh, I thought that was kind of cool of Jericho to say that. And he didn't pick any female, so be mad at him. Yell at him. I don't know. He's put over Tessa, but I don't think that's going to make anyone happy. Uh, what, 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 what did you think about this, Chris?
2: I mean, he just picked five random performers he wanted to start a promotion with, right?
1: Those would all be good performers to start a promotion with. Ricochet, Cesaro, Robin Reigns, Kota Bushi, and fucking Hosprey. So, I mean,
2: the only, the only person that should be upset here is Kevin Owens. He's like, really? Uh, oh... You fucking uh, serious dude? <laughs> I thought we were friends, bro. Um no, I mean that that's a great lineup. I mean, I probably would have would have definitely said fucking. Like if you're going to say you can't get Okada, then you definitely can't get Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's a good point. You know like <laughs> I mean, it doesn't I,
1: matter how good of friends Roman is with Chris Jericho and and, and uh John Moxley. That's not
2: happening. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, let's just do R five, just out of nowhere. Ready? Here we go. Um, Fucking uh, for me, I think Roman's a huge draw. I'd get Roman and get Jericho. I would probably get MJF right now. Well, um, how about we how about we spin it? I like what you're doing, but why don't we spin
1: <laughs> it towards five guys for AEW randomly anywhere?
2: Five guys for AEW. Five guys. If I'm starting a new promotion tomorrow um man all right so uh sammy guevara mjf cody
1: well, rhodes i think you misinterpreted what i was saying i'm saying uh, just like jericho did pick five guys out of the other promotions to bring to aew
2: oh so i can't pick anyone in aew yes i didn't understand yes. what
1: you're saying okay it's well, okay that's, that's very i'm easy. dumb and, and i can't pron- pronounce words so no that's fine. fine um
2: I mean, well,
1: I know one of them is going to be for both of us. I mean, it's AJ kind of
2: Styles. <laughs> like, how is he not yeah. first and foremost? AJ Styles, <laughs> Seth Rollins, um, <laughs> Kevin Owens, uh, Sami Zayn, where the fuck he's at, and uh, I don't know Charlotte Flair. Sure, I feel oh. confident about that.
1: Oh man! All right, so I'm going to have to. Even go by what what Chris said not to do and pick Okada because I want him in AEW. Um, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick AJ. I'm gonna pick Roman. I'm gonna pick Jay Lee. I, I definitely need to get a woman. I mean, it's kind of hard not to say Charlotte. I mean, she's fucking one of the either her or Asuka would be my choices. And if we take one other creative person, I think Don Callis is actually a good idea. I think that what he's done for the short time in impact has changed it around for a lot of time of dog shit. So maybe him as commentator, as, as uh, manager, as writer, producer, I think he could do a lot of good for AEW. I, I were well, for, for my guy, I would just pick Gato. Gato. Oh, then there's also uh, Mr. Uh, Mr.
2: Paul Heyman, who's not doing anything right now. I would go Gabe Sapolsky before Paul Heyman with the roster that I picked hmm Just because Gabe is great. <laughs> um, also, like, I should have totally picked Okada, but... God damn it. I could just pick Okada five times. That's who I would pick.
1: Okada versus Orange Cassidy. First night.
2: That would be a fucking great match. They should totally do that. Orange Cassidy needs to make his way to the G1 to have a match. Like, if he can have a good match with Yano... You can have a good match with Orange Cassidy.
1: Actually, I just want five Yano's. That, that's what I want. Five Yano's for AEW.
0: Five
2: Yano's.
1: Five. In a <laughs> faction called Yano's.
2: Yeah, right, I, I want two and a half <laughs> Ultimo Dragons and two and a half Mudas. <laughs>
1: Just, 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 so we're being clear. All right, well, uh, AEW, uh, you know, is back, and they are bringing um, a very stacked lineup on this edition of AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, I'm not going over all the fucking shit that Tony said. Um, so let's let's get to the actual results. Thanks, uh, Wrestling Headlines. The week's show kicks off with a usual weekly uh, video signature open, which appears to actually be updated and a bit nicer looking this week. Okay. From there, uh, Shivani's voice is heard welcoming us to this week's show and is joined once again by Taz on commentary. We talked about all the Excalibur stuff last week. Um, This was, you know, made the next day they recorded this after last week's show. So they did Wednesday Live, and then they recorded the show that they premiered this Wednesday the next day. So who knows exactly what's going on with Excalibur. I wouldn't take the fact that Taz was here like it was two weeks in a row is what I'm saying. But um, we started off, Chris, and I said this is going to be a clusterfuck because the 10-man match that they did the week before I thought was just garbage. Uh, I thought it was just a bunch of shit, and it didn't really go anywhere. And I have to give it to him, this 12-man with the Young Bucks... Kenny and Page, the FDR, going against the Dark Order, uh, I thought was a really good match. Um, I, they had to do some stuff involved in the storyline to make it make sense. But what they chose to do, uh, you know, at first it's, I believe Hangman Page starts it off. He, he puts in Kenny, Kenny puts in the Young Bucks. So it's them working together, the Elite, because they know each other. When FDR finally gets in the ring, you know, they, uh, they, they start working on uh, one of the guys in the Dark Order, that has a mask on. So that really fucking clarifies everything. Um, and they, they, they go to do, I, I believe they go to do uh, D- demolition, old finisher as a tag team. And the way that Dax comes down, he pretends that like, you know, he hurt his foot, which I know a lot of people don't like fake injury angles. And I, I can see why you wouldn't like that, especially in WWE when they fucking fake it and they put up the X, which is not supposed to be faked. Um, but the way they went about it, it is a little bit weird that usually if there's an injury on the sidelines in wrestling a lot of times and they've done this now with this this happening and then also with uh Matt Hardy uh bringing out one of the members of um what the hell's the name of that tag team uh Isaiah Cassidy uh but bringing him out of his tag match when he hurt himself. Um private normally in wrestling private- there's is- private party. Yes, thank
2: you. Yeah, private party. Yeah, sorry.
1: You're good. I appreciate it actually. Um but uh, normally in sports and in wrestling, if someone gets injured, someone comes to the ring and they start like, you know, working on him, and you don't have wrestlers like leave with him. But either way, if you look past that, obviously cash with Dax and then Adam Page, you know, leaves the elite hanging. So it's just now Kenny and the Young Bucks going against the whole dark order. And it kind of evened it out because some of the Dark Order guys, even though they've gotten offense and matches with some of the bigger dudes, especially, you know, Alan Angels, for instance, um, and and Evil Uno, they were, they were able to still work, you know, and sometimes they would get their ass kicked. And it ended up with Adam Page coming back, which we didn't see coming, and him taking on Brody, who Brody, I wish that they would put this on their main fucking show, but if you watch Being the Elite, even though there's not as many people that watch Being the Elite, as the ones that watch the fucking uh, dynamite, but I digress. He has been pursuing Adam. He did it once on television and in a promo and it's been building up. So now it's the two of them. And I love the ending sequence where he goes for the buckshot lariat and Brody Lee avoids it and does his spinning uh, you know, forearm uh, to catch him. And one, two, three, the Dark Order, which helps all of them you know, look stronger basically. And this is the best. I think Birdie Lee has been booked in a while has beaten technically the tag champions, the young bucks and FTR. We also have now like how, what is the reaction going to be with, you know, FTR having to leave it. Um, Dax has put on Twitter that next week is that big tag team thing and he's not going to be able to be a part of it. So what is this going to do? Our young bucks going to be pissed. Is Kenny going to be pissed at Adam page for leaving? you know this is actually a pretty intelligent story beat and the match wasn't all all over the place 90 miles a minute the whole entire time I knew coherently who was in the ring I actually really liked it and it was a six on six match so I did not think that that was going to happen but uh what do you think
2: Chris did you only like it because the dark order tagged each other in so they all had five seconds <laughs> do you remember that spot no actually I don't remember that I probably blocked that out of my head Okay, so basically what happened is, like, Dark Order gets tagged in, and they're like, oh, we got five seconds apiece. So they just all tagged each other in in tandem, which I thought was, like, really creative for, like, hey, we only are supposed to have five, ten seconds before we get disqualified or whatever. And that must have been a Birdie Lee WWE idea, because that's definitely not an AEW idea. So I thought that was cool. Um, I think it was number five. He caught a fucking clothesline uh, from Adam Page, a lariat from Adam Page, and he just went ass over tea kettle. That was great. Um, Adam Page looked like a bazillion bucks here. Oh, when he fucking killed everyone when he came back was awesome. Yeah, he was like doing dives. He was like all over the place, man. That, like Adam Page looked like a bazillion dollars here, even though they didn't win the match. He still looked super fucking good. Um. I was completely fine with this match. I thought it was very good. Uh, it is that weird thing where it's like, when you have this many fucking people in a tag match, it's just going to get fucky, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, you're not going to be able to keep up with who's the legal man, but they did a good job with that, actually, as far as, like, pins going stuff. So they definitely tried to concentrate on it, probably for JR not losing his mind. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> From that standpoint, it was a little bit weird. Um, there was times where the commentary didn't know what was going on. That's kind of a nitpicky thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, the big the big thing was like, you know, it was the elite versus basically all of the dark order. <laughs> I guess I don't know how many other how many other people were there.
1: Uh, the ones that were in a match. That we'll talk about with uh, Cadona and um, or Cardona, I should say, and Rhodes, uh, Silvers and uh, the guys that don't have to wear masks. Those are the only ones that weren't there, basically.
2: Okay, so I will say uh, this: the the announcement team did a good job of putting Cole Cabana over as being a individual who's not part of this crew, but is part of this crew when he did the second rope splash he did, like mid match.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they did a good job of putting like. Yeah, well, he doesn't really want to do this, but he's like kind of a part of it now. <laughs> so,
1: and I it's... also think because I complain about it a lot often, Tony Schiavone did uh, a good job bringing in a story beat from being the elite because Kenny hates Cole Cabana and wants to murder him. Um, so they brought that in there too.
2: Yeah, that was that was good. I mean, my like I said, my favorite thing in the entire match is obviously. Page coming back out and, and just whipping wholesale ass for 10 minutes or whatever it was. I mean, he beat the shit out of everyone pretty much. I mean, he lost, but like, did he really lose? And <laughs> they were down two members. And
1: that ending sequence, Chris of them timing it with the buckshop lariat. And then, you know, he's coming in towards Brody and Brody just fucking circles. Boom. Right in the face, knocks him out. That was awesome.
2: Yeah. And also they teased him almost hitting, uh, Omega again. Yep. Like it was prepared. So I thought they did some good stuff with this match. I had a lot of fun watching this match, even though I hate these kind of matches.
1: Same. I agree. All right. So the best friends arrive. Uh, they, they are in Sue's van, um, Trent's mom. So they're, yeah, that was there. Um we'll get back to that. There's a hell of a lot more to talk about. But uh, we had the John Oxley promo. Um, Jim Ross then shoots to a pre-taped promo from earlier in the day featuring AEW World Heavyweight Champion John Moxley sitting in a stairwell with his title belt. He talks about his past and how friends and people told him not to compete in this uh, match or this match. Uh, He says in in some cases he wishes he would have listened and others he's glad he didn't. With that in mind, Darby Allin... Pointing to his title last week at the end of AEW Dynamite was understood by Mox. He says now that he's grown up a bit. He is in situation to tell someone when they shouldn't do something. Moxley doesn't uh, goes on to call Darby his favorite wrestler in AEW, but said that his title is on the line. So when he signed that contract, he became like everyone else. Moxley says he's not going to ask Darby. Not to do something like not take this match. He says he hopes Darby listens uh, when he says this. When the time comes, stay down. He says he knows he won't, but he's hoping he does. Thought it was an awesome promo. Uh, Weird a little bit to see that side of Moxley, but I I think this set up the match really well, and at the end it was kind of like, you know, I've been nice throughout this whole promo, but seriously, kid i will kill you so if i have to that's what it really came down to to me so what did you think about this promo chris
2: i love the promo because it's baby face versus baby face right so it's already a hard promo to do i thought he did a good job at it he put he definitely put darby allen over as his favorite and probably the person most deserving for the title besides him at least in the way moxley worded it right but he's also like, I'm gonna murder you, so whatever. <laughs> just very John Moxley. I will say the only problem I had with this is that you didn't have, you didn't really have the follow-up Darby Allen promo. There should have been a Darby Allen promo,
0: of I some agree. sort,
2: even if it was just like ten words. He should have had something. Um, but outside of that, I think Moxley did a good job of putting him over, and even in the match later on, I think you know. Once again, Moxley did a good job of putting him over. Also, Moxley's the only person that doesn't fuck up on the show, apparently. <laughs> if you're watching Botchamania, like Moxley's like the one dude that's solid. Him, I guess him and Brody Lee at this point. But like uh, yeah, some of that WWE shit does work, it turns out. Yep.
1: I do agree. All right, so we had a match between the best friends, uh, Trent Bretta, and Chucky e. T going against Pride and Powerful, uh, Santana and Ortiz. The end of the match would have Trent also took some punishment on his lower back uh, with the spot. He just had an injury that the announcers have been putting over strong since the double team action. Pride and Powerful executed uh, on Chuck earlier in the match on the ring apron. For the second time in the bout, we see Trent isolated in the ring while Santana and Ortiz take turns beating on him, hitting uh, double sit-out powerbombs but only getting two on the pin attempts. Santana looks shocked, as does Ortiz, as Trent continues to put his tremendous heart and gut on display. They set up their street sweeper finisher. However, Trent snuck through and rolled up Ortiz for the shocking pin fall victory out of nowhere, snapping the three-match winning streak of the Inner Circle duo and future establishing that number two spot in the AEW tag team rankings. After this match we head to another commercial break. So, the winner's best friends. <sighs> LAX is one of the best tag teams in the world, to me. Some of the stuff they did with the Lucha Brothers, with the, uh, with well, they called them the uh, the OGs, but the original LAX, and just other tag matches in the past were fucking awesome. Um, they're going to get a little bit of comeuppance with that segment where they destroyed uh, Trent's mom's van, and it was actually very well done. There was even a part where Ortiz just flung the hammer behind him, and it perfectly just went right into the windshield. Cool visual. Spray-painting it. But it's fucking Trent's mom's van. Uh, Some of the comedy stuff they've done, especially with Ortiz, has been over the top in the past. I do like them, in their group with Chris Jericho, I do, I, I, I definitely do, but I miss it—the vicious, still babyface LAX—and you had that when they were doing those promos in the subways for one of their pay-per-views earlier. They still had that edge, and I think they've lost it. I don't fucking like the best friends. I've said this a million times. I think Trent Beretta, like many, I, I think Trent Beretta has a lot of potential. I think Chucky e. T looks like someone that gives the balls to people at carnivals to throw in the vases that never can go into the vases to get the giant stuffed animal. Um, I just don't see anything fucking in him. I, I think that Orange Cassidy's awesome, uh, but I don't think that Orange Cassidy needs the best friends. I hate the fucking hug concept, and I hate the fucking minivan with the mom shit. I think it's stupid. I think it's like lowbrow, not lowbrow, but just dumb humor, and when you're trying to get fucking people to watch this shit, I don't know. So the, they, they, they got mad, and they challenged them to another match, and I'm sure they're going to have another match. I just, LAX, also the Lucha Bros, but I would be having them have matches with fucking Kenny and Adam with the Young Bucks. I just think this is, uh, you know, a step down, and I don't think I'm ever going to be a fan of, of Chuck Taylor and the best friends as a tag team. So there you go. There's my probably only negativity with this whole thing. But like I said, the van spot—it looked good. I liked seeing them tough. It kind of goes in with the fact that uh, you know Chris Jericho gets like his whole group. A lot of them are you know fucking up people again, which is cool. But at the same time, they fucked up a minivan for Sue Beretta. Anyways, Chris, what do you think?
2: Well, no, not the match was fine. It's Chucky T's mom. Because Trent's like, mom? no, you can't do that to Chuck's mom. Uh, I, at least I think. Um, I feel. or here's the thing. I feel like the one of the biggest problems they have here is that Chuck E.T. and Trent Beretta should switch. Why is Trent Beretta the person in, in peril in this match? And he always is. But it. Does, I mean, I guess because he has the best comeback. I guess, but you should switch it. I like the roll up pin. I thought that was a fun victory. I thought this was a really good match. You hate the best friends way more than I do apparently. So um they're fine. I mean, they're your average ass tag team. But With you know really what? Really dumb things like mom vans and shit. I mean, being an average ass tag team on AEW is better than being a tag team on uh, Raw. Or well, you. but two things. I don't think (laughs) Raw would
1: with all their dumb writing, I don't think Raw would have people linked to their mom's van game, dropped off at fucking shit. And if they're that low of a tag team, why are you having LAX go against them? Who should be, I think way higher regarded.
2: I agree with you, but LAX hasn't won shit. And they just lost again. But I did like the inner circle in general tonight or on that night Came off super strong. Yeah, the whole I agree. The whole faction. So I thought this batch was very good. Um, the only thing the I would change. Good. The only I thing I would change up. is like uh, Chucky e. T should be the one in peril, not Trent Beretta. just because it looks weird. I guess. I did yep. like when they went to uh, the camera and camera, and Jr. Super sold it, and uh, was it Ortiz did the cat claw for no reason at the camera he was like ha ah. <laughs> like right uh, as it went to camera to camera I was like that's pretty good <laughs> you should always do that I know you hate it you hate all of this you don't hate LAX, but you you, you hate the Ortiz cat spot. <laughs> the cat spot doesn't bother me, I don't think, as much. I mean,
1: he could still be goofy. He's always kind of had this crazy antics about him. But they were just, like, honestly, if it was me, I, I know that I don't really want the inner circle to break up or have people leave. But, God, now having any Kingston there and their past, if you put Kingston with LAX or, I'm sorry, Pride and Powerful, and had them as a ruthless unit, um, I guess a heel version of what they were in Impact. I think that would be a lot more successful than, than them being, you know, part of the Stooges and
2: shit most of the time. I agree with you, but the, the tag team division right now is there's a log jam. Yeah, the, the end goal is to get you know who I would have FTR, right? So everything below that's just there, kind of.
1: Do we agree that Pentagon and Phoenix, you can put them as the... They're, they're kind of like at the level where you can put them as a heel in a, a tag team or a baby face and doesn't really matter. People don't really care.
2: I mean, I, I would probably put the titles on them just to move it out of that picture a little bit of what they have going on with this feud so you get your three-way match without the titles being involved. But that's, yeah. a, that's a different yeah, story. Me too. But, well, I'm but, just
1: saying, like... Pres- they were presented heels last time, but obviously Phoenix and Pentagon are over, so it's kind of like doesn't matter. If you had them kind of reinvigorate their feud from Impact with Pentagon and Phoenix against LAX, you would get excellent matches. You could still have LAX as the heels now and position Pentagon and Phoenix as the babyfaces. And I don't think anyone's going to be like, but they were just heels! And then you would have awesome matches instead of stuff with minivans and shit. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
2: I, yeah. you know you know christopher daniels works for this company he could go have good matches yeah <laughs> like yeah I, I totally get what you're saying they have a stack tag team division they got to figure they out do. what they're doing but they're they 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 have log jam themselves um in in a way that's going to be hard to get out of until you know page and omega drop the titles i guess uh, yeah.
0: Because
2: you can't have them run through FTR, and you can't have them run through the Young Bucks. You can have them win, like you know, like the uh, was not last week, but the week, maybe the week before, um, where LAX actually got a win during that multi-man match or whatever. But they didn't get a tag team win, so it's it's a uh, it's kind of weird where they're at right now. They they have to transition going at going into this pay per view. They need to. Be very sure of who they're turning heel and who they're not turning <laughs> heel.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it just to me personally, and I know that I might be in the minority, you could give me, you know, you have your YouTube show and you could maybe use that to help out private party a bit to, uh, you know, but give me less private party and best friends and give me more Lucha Bros, LAX. And even Helico and fucking Jack Evans, who haven't been on in a long time since they were awesome in Lucha Underground, like, you know, in matches, to me, you know,
2: but... I mean, they probably didn't expect the Dark Order would show up and have, like, really good tag matches with everybody, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. good point. Um, so that, I mean, that throws a kink in kink it a little bit, but in general, like, is it is it, it's private party, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for private party, people are just going to see them as the street prophets.
1: I don't. To me, it's not the street prophets because they're skinnier. It's just that, that they're they kind of have those high pitched screams that I can't stand, and they're they're really really athletic and it's impressive, but they're green as shit as well, and kind of make I, it look a little bit staged.
2: Well, that too, but it's also the same gimmick. It's yeah. more of the problem, right? So, like, you see, like, Street Profits fighting the Viking Raiders, and then, and, and I'm probably going to get heat for this shit. I can already tell. Uh, <laughs> street Profits, they're good in the ring, but they're also, um, I don't know, they're not as well-honed as, like, what, this, uh, what the Street Profits are, right? Private Party is not as well-honed. They... they they kind of just go spot to spot to spot, as yeah. if they're an indie show, versus like street profits have that very WWE style where it's like, okay, now it's time to hit the spot, um, and they do have very similar gimmicks. So if you're like watching them back to back, and you can say the same thing about us, it's, it's Kelly Ray from uh, TNA with Bailey, or Allie back in Impact, Allie. that's 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 who I was thinking of with the with the Pokemon shirt. Right. No, no, I mean, you,
1: you're right with Kylie Ray. Allie is now on um, uh, AEW, but she was that same exact bubbly gimmick in Impact like a couple years back.
2: I mean, yeah, so when you're doing that gimmick, you have to be kind of the best at it. And I don't know that they're the best at it versus yep. the Street Profits. Um, and, and, and most of it is just because the Street Profits have... One, they have they're great promos, first and foremost. And two, they have a big guy, little guy concept, where like you know, private party doesn't really have that.
1: You know, the the little guy concept's funny because I think Montez Ford is like six <laughs> five. Just Angelo Dawkins is humongous. <laughs>
0: well,
2: yeah. Well, that's yeah. welcome, welcome to WWE. <laughs> but All right. yeah, well, I mean, it, it that one's weird to me as far as. Like, I don't want to tell them to change up their gimmick, but maybe they should, because I don't. you're always going to be chasing what's getting watched by 2 million people versus what's getting watched by 700,000 to 900,000 people. Yep, I agree. Or, or less, if it's on, I mean, if it's on YouTube, you're not getting seen by dick all. So, I, I would maybe, I mean, I don't want to tell them to change their entire fucking gimmick up, but maybe change your entire gimmick up. I mean like look at a look at a good team like New Day, right? They got saddled with the stupid gimmick. They were supposed to be like a religious cult basically. And they turned that into the New Day. <laughs> so yeah. there's ways around that. You just got to be creative and uh that that tag team for whatever reason it just definitely for me sh- Street Profits uh it, it's they're just kind of like one and the same
1: well, speaking about creativity, we have NJF. Uh, you know they, they put it to MJF headquarters, and there's MJF in uh you know the official number one contender to the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and John Moxley's opponent at the upcoming AEW All Out 2020 pay per view welcomes us. Uh, what he calls MJF headquarters, like I already fucking said. Thank you for putting that 50 million times. Um, so freedom walks around scolding... or. I'm sorry, MJF walks around scolding his many campaign employees for making errors on various posters, having pictures that are not angled right, uh, you know, incorrect buttons and lack of smiles on, uh, you know, the the uh, female uh, co- female workers face, basically just, you know, berating them and being a heel. And someone asked, you know, if, if Darby Allen wins, you're going to be going against Darby Allen instead of John Moxley. And uh, MJF said sarcastically, well, that would suck, and walks away. So obviously he's not worried about, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Darby Allen. He
2: Uh, called him a a 125-pound hemo kid (laughs) to be specific about how that would suck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I thought this was pretty fucking funny. I liked it, and just keep on going with this shit. I'm not getting sick of it.
2: What do you think? I mean, MJF's been great like this. I like that he called Darby Allen an emo kid, so Darby's got some fuel to go after MJF. That gives you kind of a launching pad to whatever your main event's going to be, which I'm assuming is MJF versus Moxley, right, at some point. Um, But, yeah, no, I liked all of this.
1: Yep. All right, so we have Matt Hardy coming in to do a promo. Um, Hardy addressed the fans and his peers some of which he points out are sitting at ringside He talks about giving the fans what they wanted. Uh, He goes on to mention that, well, he basically was just whole breaking down the difference of what he was planning on doing kind of something that he's been talking about, but much more subtly about, you know, he can't be all the crazy characters because of a lack of audience. Um, So it's kind of now just him just being himself. He goes to mention that two people in particular caught his eye referencing a a private party. He talks about helping them before mentioning there was one more person that caught his attention, Sammy Guevara. Hardy goes on to tell the history between him and Guevara with the Spanish crowd refusing to help uh, Hardy and ultimately attacking him. He says that is why he did what he did last week in attacking Guevara during his return match Uh, as he continues to talk. We see Sammy Guevara tipping towing in the ring, positioning himself behind Hardy. Hardy uh, right says, "I knew you would come." Turns around, no Sammy's there, uh, and they start just brawling. And Hardy's like beating the crap out of Sammy, just throwing these fucking haymakers, knocking him around. Uh, he goes to set up this table, um, basically outside the ring. Uh, right, in, right after putting Sammy through the uh, the table, that the. Um, the timekeeper and a uh, fucking bell person like sit at, uh and the announcer. And uh, basically this is where it gets a little bit messy. If you will, we have Sammy get the better of, of Matt Hardy, place him on a table. And he, apparently from what they said, this is what Brian Alvarez was saying. They had a gimmick table. They had a gimmick t- uh, chair. I mean, over there that he was supposed to do the classic Sabu spot. Where he tosses at him, and Matt Hardy blocks it with his hands and knocks it away from him. Well, instead of grabbing one of those chairs, he couldn't find it, and grabs, like, one of the chairs that are padded, that, you know, are cushioned, that are much thicker and metal. And tosses and just kind of is frantic because he probably knows that he's, like, you know, wasting time trying to find it. Whips it at his head before that, actually, to get him on the table that a lot of people thought maybe cracked him open originally, but apparently did not. Sammy had thrown him into the uh, the side of the pole uh, of the wrestling ring and then placed him on the table. So either that or the chair spot clipped him with the top of it, uh, much like the thing that hit Cody's head that busted him open. And that was a gimmick chair. And just the weight of it just busted him open. You don't really see that Matt Hardy's bleeding that much until Sammy is above, you know, Matt Hardy on the ramp uh, and he's looking down at him, and then you see that the, the fucking table is covered in blood, and he's gushing out of the side of his head. Then Sammy does this fucking rotating senton through the table. He's got blood. He's got Matt Hardy's blood all over him. Matt just bleeding the fuck out. Um, it was a great visual. It might have been partially accidental. Rebby Hardy was not happy about this. She tweeted, uh, "Fucking dumbass." As soon as it happened, I'm sure referencing Sammy. I'm assuming. And apparently Sammy was greeted with a lot of people that were pissed off at him, uh, mostly because I'm, I'm assuming Matt might have gotten a concussion from this. So uh, shit happens. But this is those situations, you know, even you get mad at Nia Jax for punching fucking Becky in the face. But how much did that help out Becky's career, even though she doesn't remember being on the uh, the stairs doing what she did? You know, that helped Sammy. That made him look like a fucking monster that made his his group and they already kind of did with LAX destroying the fucking vehicle. They looked like they were badasses again. Um, this more so with Sammy. So I get why people would be angry. I'm sure he got a talking to from Jericho and Cody and a, and a couple other people. Um, but hey, he was frantic. The shit, I mean, they're recording it, but still he's trying to do it in one take. It was a decision, you know, and he took the fucking chair, threw it out of his head. Shit happens. What did you think about all this, Chris? Should they give Sammy as much
2: crap? Well, I mean, he is coming right back off a of suspension, right? So that, that, that plays into it a little bit. Um, it's a good point. I don't know. I, I'm still not convinced that, that Hardy didn't do a blade job <laughs> just based on his body movement. Either that or Matt Hardy is the absolute professional of all time. Um, because he got his hands up for the chair and uh, if he just got caught with something that's like very very shitty that sucks Um, but uh, I will say like there is a visual that was obviously planned because Sammy Guevara wore white pants and white shoes so there was going to be a blade job or a blood packet or something to get that over which he posted on Twitter the very next day So, I mean, I guess it depends on how much you trust wrestling on whether this was a a shooter or work. I thought for sure that I saw Matt do a blade. Maybe he didn't. Um, The after shots of it seemed like he just got domed with something. But I think either way, that was kind of the plan uh, based on just the visual appearance of Sammy. So that sucks if he actually got, like, busted open. Is a little concussed. Like that sucks. Uh, but I mean, I would assume if you're gonna show, you're gonna have a guy show up with white, like sweatpants and white shoes. That's the visual you're gonna go for. That's so a good point.
1: I, you know, I, I I see where Brian's what he's saying and what he's claiming he heard at least. But even even me, if it is hard way, I don't think it was with the chair. I think it was when he he sent him into the post. And he fucking smacked off of it. I mean, the chair might have grazed it and made the blood come out more, but I think that is where if if it happened like that, if it wasn't gimmicked, that he just hit the pole so hard and that's what fucking caused the bleeding.
2: But who knows? I mean, it's never gonna matter because Matt Hardy's not gonna bury this guy, right? He's about to do a program no. with him, so Matt Hardy's gonna be like, "Well, I got fucking busted open. It happens. It's wrestling." Uh, so he's not gonna make a big deal about it. No, no. Rebby on the other hand, might, but. Uh, I will will say, you don't go into that visual with Sammy Guevara dressed the way he was. Yeah, that is true. On Twitter, unless the end job, like the end goal was to have blood. So maybe Matt didn't realize he was bleeding beforehand when he went for what I thought was a blade job. After he blocked the chair, maybe he just actually got busted open. He was like, well, I guess I don't need a blade. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, which may have happened. I'm just gonna say that the, I have. I've only seen it once. I only watched it live, so I, I probably need to go back and watch it. But, but I will say, like, it added a lot to that segment. It made Sammy Guevara look like a badass, and uh, the Inner Circle for one time in the past, like three or four months, actually looked like a serious threat on tonight's or on that night's episode of AEW.
1: Yep. Well. After that we had well we already talked about it with LAX coming and destroying the van um, and you know basically putting their uh, their hit back on the best friends and wanting to take them on again. but after that we had uh, the Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds who have been hilarious on being the elite if you guys aren't watching that going against Matt Cardona and Cody and they had a tag match honestly, Thought it was bad, but this was probably the one, and I feel bad because I'm really excited about Cardona being part of the company. I just didn't have as much investment or care in. Uh, Maybe it was because of their opponents, uh, but towards the end of the match, uh, okay, so the American Nightmare recovers, but is strongly selling his ribs as he re-enters the ring. Reynolds starts uh, taking it to Cody, focusing his attacks on the ribs of the TNT champion. Uh, He makes the tag to silver and the duo use their 10 count from the ref to get in some double team offense as they are now clearly in control of the action at this particular point in the bout. We then head to the mid-match picture-in-picture commercial break while Cody sells on the mat with the Dark Order still very much in control of offense. When we return from the break, the Dark Order is still dominating the action. Cody finally makes the tag to Matt Cardona. Cardona comes in and hits some high spots, but eventually he too ends up on the receiving end of some excellent double team offense from the dark order. Finally, Cardona hits the radio silence finisher for the pin and victory and uh, Mark Cardona and uh, Cody win while Cody is leaving. um, Basically uh, all of a sudden we see Scorpio sky sky stands in front of them walking their way in the back, he points to the TNT title that Cody is carrying over his shoulder before eventually letting them uh, uh, buy while the announcers point out that Sky wants the TNT championship on AEW Dark. He's been beating people, and he's, he made a promo on the last one saying that he really wanted that title, basically. So I'm glad they're finally um, you know building up to that. See, it's, it's the fact that I like Silver and Reynolds. I actually think that they're a very good tag team. Um, but, I mean, this is fucking Cody. And I, I swear, sometimes, I will say it, Cody sells too much for people that I don't think he should sell to. But at the same time, he does have that great babyface quality in tag teams of taking a beating and looking believable. And that's what he did for most of it. I just, for Matt Cardona, he shows up, takes a spotlight away from Wardlow, and it's going to happen to him too. In this with Scorpio sky, uh, just shows up, helps out Cody. We don't get any type of promo at all. So, all right, we, we figure it's going to happen. Now they have a tag team. He's able to do stuff towards the end of the match. He gets finally in and then he doesn't have a promo. And then it becomes about Scorpio sky as soon as they hit the ramp. So what the hell is Matt doing? I don't know. I wish I kind of got a promo from him. I was expecting it, but it was cool seeing like a visual of, of, uh, what looked like a modern Sting and macho man, you know, tagging together concept. Uh, and I love Cody. I am very excited about Matt Cardona. Um, and I do like the idea of Scorpio sky going for that TNT title. And I don't think it's going to happen, but man, I kind of like the idea of sky upsetting Cody. Anyways, what do you think, Chris?
2: I mean, I think it's a build up for Matt Cardona versus, uh, Cody, Cody, like we've talked about. Yeah, I feel like that's the eventual breakdown. What I will say about Matt Cardona, stop doing the fucking Rough Rider, dude. You're bigger than like most of the people on the roster. Why are you jumping in the air and giving them a dick famous or, or whatever the fuck that move is? It looks like shit. It's never looked good. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to Matt Cardona because I actually like your podcast a lot, and I think you are a good wrestler. You have a really great elbow drop. Specifically, just maybe get a new fucking finisher, cause that fucking rough rider looks like shit. Is it, a... it?
1: Is that the same thing that Kenny does? Like it looks like a Famouser, but he goes over and then plants his head. Like, wh- is that what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, I mean that's Matt Cardona's finisher. It's he jumps in the air. It's like a it's like a zigzag, but with your legs essentially. <laughs> It's called the yeah, rough rider I would do that I would like do that, that as like a
1: context. setup to the elbow drop. Maybe.
2: Dude, he's bigger than most of the people on the roster. He shouldn't be jumping and putting his legs on their head. Like it's a good it's, point. It's fucking I, I mean not to be like a, a size queen, so to speak, but I've heard you are a size queen. The fuck is he Why the fuck is he still doing this move? <laughs> He's not wrestling John Cena. Like, he doesn't need to do the Rough Rider. And also, even the name is kind of perverted because it's like a condom reference. Like, Rough Rider condoms. Like, it's... And and now they call it Radio Silence because it's like a gimmick off of his, like, Oh, radio theme song. I I get it, but it's still a bad finisher. There's there's no way that he doesn't have a better finisher than that. Just give him the fucking elbow drop. He does a good. He does a really, really good fucking Macho Man output trial. Make that list for sure. Or just fucking give him the pedigree. No one else is doing it. Fuck. Why not him?
1: That'd be hilarious. The pedigree would be pretty fucking awesome if that happened. Um. Anyway, so we had the uh, debates. Uh, we found out that Eric Bischoff was going to be the one conducting the debates. Apparently, from what Bischoff said, that you know they had they had a podcast where Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff. Sat down and had a cross interview with um, Conrad Thompson. It was awesome, just them kind of talking about, you know, WCW and AEW. And Eric says it's a one-time thing. It, I can't believe I'm saying this. The, the one thing that it sucks about having Eric Bischoff on AEW is not hearing that theme music because it's the most cocky fucking theme music. Is
2: I'm back. Like I love that <laughs>
1: shit. Uh, I it love is, that shit. It is
2: really good. It may be one of the best theme songs of all time. It's definitely in the top like twenty.
1: Yeah, it's just when that comes on, you're just like, ah, oh, Bishop's coming out. But it was, uh, it was great. You know, he kind of like he he acted cordial to Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho and him are actually friends now. But obviously, if you know their past, they used to fucking hate each other. Um, and uh, so I'll just I'll just read the breakdown of it. It's not too long, is it? No, no, it's not that long. All right, so... Bischoff makes his first appearance to TNT in 20 years, which is fucking crazy, as he makes his way over to the podium to prepare tonight's great debate between Le Champion, Chris Jericho, and freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. From there, Bischoff introduces Orange Cassidy. He makes his way out. Next, he introduces Chris Jericho, and out he comes. Bischoff then kicks off the debate of 2020 by asking the first question to le champion Jericho basically talks trash about orange Cassidy with some slick one-liners and put downs Chris, if you remember any of the specifics, definitely ma- mention them, but uh thought this was going to have it, but I-, I don't remember them offhand. Orange is asked his first question and he doesn't react to it. Chris Jericho tells Bischoff that he doesn't speak because he's an idiot and he starts putting them down some more. Bischoff uh, asks, some weird question, kind of like the segment in Billy Madison where Adam Sandler is suddenly, without explanation, unbelievably rocket science smart about a complete random talk- topic with a speech that just pours out of him as if he were pre-programmed. It looked like he was reading a prompter, but he did an answer about global warming. And, of course, Jericho's jaws to the floor at this point. Like, what the fuck? Cassie didn't... Uh, execute it super well, but it still worked. It was funny. Finally, as Jericho taunts and Mox Cassidy uh, some more, and then talks about wanting to beat his ass in their match next week, promising to kick the shit out of him and make him pay $7,000 to replace his juice-soaked jacket, who which is now, like, red.
2: Like, uh, what the fuck happened to that jacket? Anyways, he says... Well, I mean, According to Ortiz, cats have just been pissing on it, apparently. <laughs> so... It smells
1: like cat piss. Why does it smell like cat piss? He said he's going to kick the shit out of him. Now, uh, with that said, he orders Jack Hagar, who is standing by him, to attack, it, and he does. Oh, wait. Yeah, but it missed... What the fuck? Uh, The best part of this, and I don't know why I just jumped it and didn't even say anything, Orange Cassidy after, you know, more bullshit from Jericho, takes off his glasses, looks at Jericho and said, this is the biggest batch of my life, and this actually is Kind of the biggest match in your life, Jericho. What if you lose to Orange Cassidy? What if you lose to the guy that puts his hands in his pockets? I'm going to embarrass you. I am going to upset you. And I am going to beat you. And it's the first time we've seen that side of Orange Cassidy. And it was actually pretty effective. You know, he basically claimed that come their match next week, he is going to fucking beat Chris Jericho. and after. Orange Cassidy already lost one of the matches. I kind of think they're going to keep on going. And somehow, Orange Cassidy is going to defeat Jericho to lead to a rubber match. So that is my prediction. No, uh, no clue if I am right. But I really like the side of Orange Cassidy. But anyways, you know, um, I guess since the best friends were already preoccupied with their fucking vehicle, uh, that gave enough time for Jack Hager and fucking Jericho to destroy Cassidy. And at one point, Jack Hager just gives a right, and it looked, so, it, it looked like it connected so much, probably just barely did, but just knocked Orange Cassidy, who sold it so well, down on the ground, and uh, then throws him into Jericho with the Judas effect. And then, like I said, the best friends finally hit the ring for the save, and they go to commercial break. What do you think about this, Chris?
2: Let me start with the Judas effect. Does this move kind of always look like shit when Jericho hits it? Or is it just me? Yes, but don't tell Chris that. Once, mean, in while, love, once in a while, once in a while it looks better.
1: But yeah, most of the time it looks like dog crap.
2: I mean, I guess it's supposed to just be kind of out of nowhere or whatever, and I get that. It's it's. Like there's only so many RKO's you can do or whatever. There's only so many of those spots you can have where it's like, oh, it's out of nowhere. And he did that for forever with uh, with the Codebreaker or whatever. He started that shit. Now everyone uses it. So he's like, oh, I got a new thing. I was like, well, you just have Okada's thing but shitty. <laughs> kind exactly. of. Uh, but he got, he got a new thing. Um, yeah, so this, uh, <laughs> this interview is so great. So like yeah, Bishops like he asked the first question, he's like why do Jericho and Casty hate each other? And Jericho just like rips the fuck into him, right? He's like this guy is a joke. Flash in the pan, plays pocket pool. He's like saying all of this shit. Second and then there's like what are what is your response? And Orange is like all right, whatever. I don't I don't talk, right? And then they get to the second question. Kind of the same thing, same thing. Who is the bigger star and who is the better wrestler? Kind of the same thing. Third question was about rising sea levels, which I guess Eric Bischoff is like a environmentalist. No, he's a Republican. <laughs> or whatever. There's another guy named Eric Bischoff as well, which I found out on Twitter that is like very into uh, global warming. Same name. saw that online. That's a thing. You guys can check that out. Um, But yeah, so that that basically happens and Jericho just was like, ah, I don't know. And then Casty gave this like huge detailed dictionary response to this thing. And the fourth question he didn't respond. And the final question, like you said, that's when he decided to step up and say something and basically say you know, like hey, I may not, you know, yeah, this may be the biggest match of my life, but it's also the biggest match of your life because what if you lose to Pockets? I wish he would have called himself Pockets. I really wish he would have called himself Pockets, but outside of that, the, the promo was perfect. He's like, imagine if you lose to me, essentially, which was great. And uh, Jericho came close to losing last time they had that match, so this will be fun. It'll be a fun match for sure. And uh, if anything, Orange Cassidy has shown us that, hey, he can wrestle turns out
1: <laughs> yeah and he can come off top um all right let's move on god AEW is so i love it but it's it there's a lot to happen uh and i lost my place
2: i mean i mean the main thing that happened in between this is you had the beat down with hager and then uh burt baker got choked out by big swole basically Yep. Which
1: I'm looking forward to that. Well, it was Reba uh, got choked out. Yeah, it was Reba. Sorry. She was forced to be that person. Britt Baker had all this time to find someone suitable to fucking take on Big Swole and kick her ass. And then she just makes her, uh, you know, her, I guess, I don't know what the hell Reba is for her. Her personal assistant go and get her ass kicked. Um...
2: Could you imagine if it was Aja Kong, though? She's like, good luck, Big wall." <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fucking good luck. Guess who's on my crew? Aja Kong. And then, like, Britt Baker sells the leg injury for, like, a year. We're talking about some old-school heel heat right there. It's like, I know her leg's not hurt anymore. Damn it.
1: <laughs> yep. All right, so let's, uh, let's get down to the ending part. First, uh, for next week, we have FTR... Uh, Tag Team Appreciation Night, um, Jericho versus Cassidy two, and a seven thousand obligation match. Cody versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy in a non-title match. Stu Grayson and Evil Uno versus the Young Bucks. I really like Stu Grayson by the way. Special appearance by Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and the Rock and Roll Express. And I'm assuming, Chris, this debate is going to be about Arn and Tully agreeing that FTR is the best tag team. And then the rock and roll express saying, I don't know. The young bucks are better Them, it's, it's going to be some type of thing where all of the tag teams come out and shit. And I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun basically, but I, I see it kind of going, going down like that. It's going to be somehow related to FTR versus the young bucks as tag teams. Uh, but are you looking forward to uh, everything for next week?
2: When's Jeff Hardy's contract up?
1: God damn man! When's when is Ray <laughs> gonna leave or not too? Come on!
2: No, Jay, uh, he he resigned. I actually have a uh, some hot news. So he resigned. WE oh. WWE, um, because of Dominic, obviously, and also MVP signed a multi-year deal, so that's good. So MVP is gonna be there for a while. So I actually did have like two signing news. I was gonna save it until we got to Raw, but like fuck it, we're here now. I'll just bring it up again on the next show. It's fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, think of the whole next show concepts, a terrible
2: idea now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so. Um, uh, fuck. Uh, so, with. I'm trying to think of the most eloquent way to put this. Um, so you have a bunch of tag teams talking about <laughs> being the best tag teams and you have rock and roll express out there or whatever. It, it just, how is Matt Hardy not out there? It just feels so weird. I mean, I know why he's not out there because Jeff's not there yet, but it's like, are you guys serious? Like, like I beat you before we went to WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Because he you know. literally went on a roll where you, they beat Rock and Roll Express, and they won like a ladder match with the Young Bucks, and then they went to Mania, like and they had like the Ring of Honor tag team belts and the uh, TNA tag team belts at the same time. If I remember Dude,
1: from. if that happened, I would love it. I, but I think uh, I think um, Jeff is still there for another month or two, so that's the only really problem. I think he's there until September.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, Rock and Roll Express. It's cool that they're on TV and are getting well.
1: Paid. I think I think. Don't you think it's because, obviously, Arn and Tully had history with the Rock and Roll Express, or at least the Horsemen. I don't know if it was Oli and Arn, but there is. They're both two tag teams. They're both very similar. Don't you think they're going to probably make this about? I'm assuming. We're going to get FTR there. We're going to get Kenny and, and Adam Page somehow involved and also, uh, whatchamacallit, the Young Bucks. And it's going to be some segment like that, is what I'm assuming, at least.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. It's like a... Why the hell can
1: we have the Young Bucks go against the Rock and Roll Express? They still wrestle.
2: <laughs> well, they've had matches That's a, That before. should be a dream match, you know? <laughs> but they've, they've done it. Oh, they <laughs> so... have. Yeah, and I think in ROH for sure. I mean the Hardys have won against them, like not even that long ago, like one or two years ago. No it was more than one or two years ago, before they went to WrestleMania. So whenever Matt would before Matt went to WWE, he had a match with the Rock and Roll Express and the Bucks were working them. Even back then. And like last time we saw the Rock and Roll Express, didn't Ricky Morton just hit a Canadian destroyer out of nowhere? And people were like, yeah. Oh, we should all do a Canadian Destroyer now. Because that's what I remember from that show. Um, Man, I I don't know. It it feels really weird when you're reading off these tag team names and you're like, LAX isn't on here at all. Like, you guys, did y'all forget?
1: Oh, I think there's going to be more added to it, but these are the ones they have so far is what I'm assuming. Um, Because that's definitely not enough. You've only named two tag team matches in the whole thing. Omega and Page versus Lucha Soros and Jungle Boy, and then Uno and Grayson versus the Young Bucks. So, I'm sure there's gonna be more.
2: Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, which I guess the Super Smash Brothers. They're they a good tag team. They're a fucking good tag team. Evil, once he changed his kind of look, I guess it's it's more fitting, and they don't look as off putting as when they first showed up. Um damn, I mean, like, there's a lot of good tag teams. Where, where's STU at? Where's Christopher Daniels and, 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 and Kazarian? Frankie. Yeah, like <laughs> both X-Division slash Heavyweight Champions of Impact. Let's get them in there.
1: Alright, so the last match that we had was the AEW Heavyweight Championship getting built up. We had Darby Allen Moxley. Um, and Darby Allen's introduced. He's got a, uh, a, a paper face of John Moxley over his. <laughs> so, you know, Darby, Darby being weird Darby, you know. Uh, going against Moxley, there's a little bit of shit talk. Uh, the bell sounds and this week's world title main event is now officially underway. Moxley takes it to Allen uh, early on, busting open his mouth and producing blood from the challenger in the early goings. We head to a mid-match commercial. Um, We return, and Moxley is still beating down Darby and shouting at him to stay down. Um, I told you, Mox keeps on referencing his promo about telling Darby to stay down. Of course, Darby does not. We get some interference, and Mox gets hit with a cheap shot with the world title belt and is now busted open. Darby Allen capitalizes and goes for a coffin drop. He hits it. He hits another. Moxley survives, and then... Turns the tide, moving the momentum to his favor. Both guys are bloody and battered, but Moxley is fully recovered now and taking it to Allen with authority. He hits a crazy pile driver, uh, but somehow Darby kicks out. I think that was a Gotch style pile driver, uh, which was awesome to see him. Do you notice that he did uh, did Mr. Minor Suzuki set up? He went for the fucking uh, sleeper hold and then put him right into the Gotch pile driver because he couldn't get him to submit. That was kind of a little cool nod. But anyways, um, finally, <laughs> yeah, Mox finishes him off awesome. with, with a pair, uh, paired uh, dime shift for the win. Winner and still AEW world champion, John Moxley. After the uh, match, uh, MJF is pissed. Uh, once the pin is counted, Mox immediately pops up. Similar fashion to Shawn Michaels, cradling Ric Flair after beating him in the legendary retirement match of WrestleMania. Mox pops up and cradles Darby. Patting him on the shoulder and shaking his head. Basically probably saying that you did a fucking amazing job. Trying to make it look like it was more with the storyline, obviously, with Moxley saying, I just wanted you to stay down. I didn't want to hurt you. But in reality, it was probably like, Darby, that was a great fucking match. You are the fucking, f-. like, probably just good shit. Anyways, meanwhile, the camera shoots to back where MJF flipping out at the fact that his attempt to influence the outcome in the other direction backfired. He flips out some more. We see Mox in the ring, and that's how this week's AEW Dynamite goes off air. So, uh, yeah, obviously that was just trying to be influenced by uh, MJF because he thought that Darby Allen would somehow be able to win and he wouldn't have to fight John Moxley because he thought that Darby would, would be an easier opponent. Good, builds M- MJF even more so as a heel. I thought the match was really fucking good. I love Darby Allen um i love the use of blood even though we had a lot of that this night um and i thought it was a pretty brutal match they were they were you know they were firing full rounds at each other and uh i liked the ending too i liked uh, moxley giving um darby some praise for having a pretty damn good championship match but you know darby's gonna keep on losing these but one of these fucking days he's gonna get one of those damn belts but just not today what do you think chris
2: Alright. I'm just gonna talk about my favorite moment of the match, which is floating around online now anyways, where Moxley has him completely leg wrapped, basically in a Taz mission, just a, a sleeper hold. But he's got him wrapped and Darby Allen just throws up two board like two fucking full fuck you birds and Moxley looks at him like he's in shock, which is one of the greatest things of all time. That was good. Um there's a lot of good stuff in this match honestly outside of the interference or whatever right? I mean like I, I didn't think that was necessarily needed for this particular match I know you're trying to get the MJF stuff over but it kind of made like Darby Allin look a little weak cause he couldn't beat a guy who got attacked by two people um which sucks but the got style pro- pile driver you're talking about I thought was pretty good and um yeah, double Rick DDT for the win, and kind of the apology afterwards. I, I like the reference back to the Sean Rick Flair thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, he told us he was going to have to basically kill the guy to get the win, right? So, and, that, and that's that's what he did. Essentially, he killed Darby Allen so that he could win. Um, this was a damn good match, easily the best match of the night on the show.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely have to agree with you on that. Uh, good AEW, man. Let's move on to NXT. All right. So tonight's uh, NXT episode opens up on the USA Network with a video package to hype the show. I like how they're doing this. Um, I think this is actually a good use of... Here's all the matches laid out. Here's little mini promos. you will get some more throughout the night, you know, but this is like kind of setup stuff. Um. We're live on tape delay from the NXT arena on the campus of Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. Is any of this necessary? Anyways, Moronello um, welcomes us from his home. WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix checks in. Same way, they're joined by Todd Phillips. And then we had a match with Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai for the number one contender. I thought this match was fucking hard-hitting. I, I, I really like Dakota Kai. I really like uh, Rhea Ripley, really, really like Rhea Ripley. And you would think that I'd be mad by what happened in the match. But I'm actually not because I know everyone wants Rhea to get back that championship. And I, I think that it's only a matter of time that either that's going to happen or she's going to be taken and put on Raw on SmackDown. Would rather her get back the belt. But in the meantime, the fact that Rhea turned down this group and now they have Mercedes Martinez as a part of it. And Mercedes Martinez has had um, a hand in both Rhea and Shayna Baszler and other women's, um, you know, their, their, their career, uh, helping train them and stuff like that. So she's, she's uh, this, this, this vet, she has a very similar style to Rhea. Uh, I think that them setting up this match with her fucking her over, you know, it's not Rhea's fault. She lost. She got fucked over in it. Dakota Kai is going to get that one up, probably have a really damn good match with Io Shirai. Io will beat her. Rio will probably beat uh, Mercedes Martinez, is what I'm assuming, and then move on to Io is what I would do. But I think her and Mercedes Martinez will have a pretty, you know, a pretty uh, brutal match. And I like the match itself. I thought it was pretty, you know, hard hitting between Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai. Uh, What do you think, Chris?
2: I thought it was a very good opening match. Um, there's not much to complain about here other than I don't know that I would have had Dakota Kai beat Rhea Ripley. I may have done a DQ finish or something, but the match itself was very, very good. Um, outside of that, I mean, there's not much more to say. I mean, it, it, watch it. It was a good fucking match. Those two girls worked their ass off.
1: Yep. I agree, man. Uh, Are you looking forward to the aspect of a hard-hitting match between Mercedes Martinez and Rhea Ripley? Since we're not doing Ripley for the title anytime soon, I guess?
2: Yes, I am, because I want to see what they do with Robbie or Robert Stone and whatever that crew is. I would like to see that develop more and be kind of a, I don't want to say a faction because he's, he's only a manager of two people kind of but I, I would like to see that develop more and that would be uh that could be good for mercedes martinez and rear really, Ripley's gonna just get over as soon as they want her to have the title basically is yeah. the way i see it i mean she's just that fucking good like just go watch her versus charlotte she's just that fucking good so they're probably just gonna use her in that role but uh mercedes martinez mixed in with uh robert it's robert stone right Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a a, a, a cool combination. I, I guess we'll see where it goes. I mean, for all I know, like we Rhea Ripley's gonna murder her next week, and then they'll just fire e, Robbie E which I hope not. But it's WWE, so you never know. Yep, that's
1: definitely a main factor of WWE. You never know. All right, so we have uh, the Undisputed Era walking outside <laughs> earlier today um, Back when we come back from a commercial break. Um, we see footage uh, from earlier today about Pat McAfee talking to WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels. <coughs> Sorry, in the arena. Tom says, You will hear. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got, it's, I, never mind, don't worry
2: about it. Um, Tom I, I, says. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at you, but I'm also laughing at, like, HBK trying to pick up where Pat McAfee is because of the wonky eye.
1: Oh, my God. Tom says we'll hear more from McAfee later tonight. Bronson Reed uh, and Shane Thorne have a match. uh, Pretty good match for uh, Bronson Reed. It's a pretty good match for Shane Thorne. But once again, man, he went up. Uh, uh, Vince liked his his new tie partner. They put him with. I forgot what his name is because of his look and threw Shane back down. So now he's gone through the mighty. He had a solo career in NXT. He got put up with a tag team, got sent back down and uh, is going to be basically enhancement. But I think he's a good looking guy. He's a good wrestler. Just, you know, it's not working. Um, He went with a, uh, towards the end of the match, he went with the shining wizard for a close two count in the middle of the ring, more back and forth, read counters and headbutt storm to the mat. Reed presses Thorne high in the air and then nails the senton for a close two count. Reed goes uh, for a move off his shoulders, but Thorne slides out and kicks him in the face. Thorne with a pair of clothesline, but Reed is still standing. Thorne keeps fighting, and Reed fights back. Thorne charges, but Reed catches him with a huge clothesline. Reed with a big Death Valley driver. Um, Reed goes to the top and hits the Tsunami Splash for the win. Bronson Reed, after the match, Reed stands... And as or has his arm raised as the music hits, we go to replays. The announcer's hype reads spot uh, in the latter match for the vacant NXT North American title at TakeOver. Uh, Reed stands tall and motions for the title as Thorne recovers and looks on from the corner. So just a, a pretty short match. Uh, I mean, honestly, for his size, Shane Thorne was kind of. Healing it up, but also getting the better of Bronson Reed throughout the match. But, of course, Bronson gets it at the end. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this guy. They're definitely uh, – they, I'm assuming Triple H sees something in Bronson Reed. He's sure featuring him a lot lately, huh?
2: Well, yeah, but we said the same thing about uh, Aleister Black and what the fuck is he doing right now? Um, that's a good point <laughs> No I, I think that the, They definitely see something in, uh, in Bronson Reed Because they wouldn't be putting in this uh, ladder match Otherwise I mean outside of just catching people He's definitely going to be catching a lot of people um, I would say If I was Shane Thorne I might go ahead and start putting my application Out other places Because they've done dick all of this guy In my opinion And uh, the match was really really good For for what it was, I think maybe Bronson gave up a little too much. Um, maybe he took too many bumps on this one, considering he's about to go into a number one. Cont- Is it a title match or a number one contenders match? I can't even remember now.
1: Um. Well, for the North American Championship, the, it's well he's a part of the uh, ladder match. Because he made it through his finals, and now it's for the championship in that last okay.
2: match. Yeah, so it's yeah. God, what a what a what a benefit that would be to you if you if you did win. Like I was thinking, number one contenders match. Like congratulations! Now you have to fight Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not that's not fun. Uh, we see video footage of Brizengo arriving at the performance center earlier today. Uh, The same Performance Center parking lot that has the worst fucking security in the universe. An SUV pulls up, and out comes uh, Legardo del Fantasma. Tyler Breeze and Fandango are jumped by Raul Mendoza and Joaquim Wild and NXT Cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar. Uh, They end up suffering or stuffing Fandango in the truck and speeding off as Breeze briefly gives chase. Uh, We get a video package for tonight's Triple Threat Qualifier Takeover. Uh, Back to commercial. Back from the break, and Mackenzie Michelle approaches the Robert Stone brand. She asks why they interfered in the Rhea Ripley-Dakota Sky match. Stone says Ripley may be done with the Robert Stone brand, but they're not done with her, and they walk off. Uh, We get footage from last week's Triple Threat Qualifier match with Finn Balor, Timothy Thatcher, and the winner, Dexter Loomis. Uh, any comments on Fandango getting jumped Um, uh, or Robert Stone in his comments about them, them going after Rhea Ripley basically
2: so Fandango is a very pivotal character on the NXT show apparently okay I mean, like, what do I say? Why are they even fusing with brazengo to begin with? I'm
1: not sure. Um,
2: hey,
0: I, don't, I, don't
2: know. I don't. I have nothing on that one. I will say the uh, Robert Stone brand, pretty good. Liked it. Thought it was fine. I'm just very confused on why, <laughs> uh, why Fandango would be being attacked. I mean, I know that they had a match like a week ago. i'm remembering correctly but i I don't understand the heat there and also i i I guess because
1: it's because they wore luchador masks to the ring two weeks ago and made fun of lucha libre culture
2: but didn't santos like pull his lucha mask off which is yeah i mean that's not that's not making fun of it right (laughs) Well, I mean if the idea is that you're denouncing being a lucha, like why would you be upset if someone else wears a lucha mask? You should not care. They they do not
1: need to respect disrespect it.
2: <laughs> I mean, in Lucha Underground, he would throw him off a volcano or whatever so. There's...
1: Make him fight uh what we call it? <laughs> um, oh, man, I can't remember his name now. Who is Jeff That's Cobb? The, uh, El Fantango? <laughs> no, the one that, with the masks that he would bring out his brother that was actually Jeff Cobb in a mask. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched Lucha Underground. Mantan Zakiarto!
2: Yeah, <laughs> there you go.
1: All right, so we had the triple threat qualifier for the North American title match. Uh, it was Damian Priest versus Ridge Holland, Oni Lorkin. Uh, I like the look of Ridge Holland. I've never seen him. I've actually didn't even see him. I guess he's been popping up in the U.K. before the pandemic hit. Um. And I kind of thought who's going to win, honestly, which was Damian Priest. I know Rich Holland is undefeated in singles, so I'm glad this doesn't really take away from his, uh, his loss, I guess. But um, the end of the match would have Priest rolls to the floor For a breather, Lorcan runs the ropes, but Holland explodes up and sends him flying across the ring. Holland drives Lorcan into the mat for a close pin attempt. Holland blocks the reckoning from Priest and headbutts him. Holland goes on and hits a big power bomb for a two-count as Lorcan breaks it up. All three competitors are down and trying to get up now. Holland grabs Lorcan's face but gets chopped. They trade big strikes. Holland drops Lorcan with the forearm. Lorkin just gets angry and nails a big chop uh, back, then more strikes. Lorkin with a running uppercut to send Holland to one knee. Lorkin with another running uppercut. Priest catches Lorkin this time, but Lorkin gets free. Lorkin uploads on Priest from behind by grabbing his hair. Holland with a big clothesline to Lorkin in the middle of the uh, run. Uh, Priest comes over and nails a side choke slam on Holland. Priest goes for the Reckoning on Lorcan and hits it in the middle of the ring. Priest covers for a pin to earn his spot at TakeOver. So, winner Damian Priest, after the match, Priest stands tall as his music hits. We go to replays. Priest shoots an invisible arrow at the title on display as he makes his exit. So, uh, like I said, it was was interesting between the three characters. I swear to God, only Lorcan is like a pissed-off alley cat. Is the only way I can fucking describe him. Like, you don't want to fuck with him, but he doesn't look... He's like a cat, you know? He doesn't look like he's going to be that intimidating. But if you get close to him, man, he's going to claw at your face, go,
0: meow, and <laughs> fuck you up.
1: And uh, I like Ridge Holland. I like his look. He was a powerhouse. I think they can do some stuff with them. And I'm continuing, after it took a little while, to, to actually become a Damian Priest fan. So uh, he won. We're going to find out information that... Uh, Dexter Loomis got actually injured during his match uh, for realsies so he's actually out uh, for a little while and he's not going to be in the match so they're replacing it I hope they have a breakdown of how Regal decided to do this it was like all the, all the people that don't take the pin in the match get to have a match themselves and the winner from that will be the other person in the, uh, the ladder match which very interesting way of doing it but once again we're getting a clusterfuck five way I think for that But anyways, uh, what the? Why? Why do they make fucking wrestling so so hard? So Finn Balor's coming back, um, and uh, I guess technically because he didn't take the pin, we're gonna be see Ridge Holland come back. And what was the other match? Oh, it was the Dexter Loomis. So so far we got Ridge Holland and Finn Balor in this match. um, That's coming up after everything. Whatever. I guess they gotta. I mean, obviously they didn't want, uh, what's his name, Dexter Loomis to get injured, but shit happens. But what would you think about this match and then Damian Priest winning, Chris?
2: And what would you think about Rich Holland? Rich Holland is awesome, and he was super over on Twitter this week, so I thought they might have done more with him, honestly, or refilmed the match. But apparently not. He just lost to fucking Damian Priest, which someone cares about. And also, let me read off this match to you. And then think about the ratings. Damian Priest defeated only Lorkin and Rich Holland in a triple threat qualifying match.
1: That's a good point.
2: Like the fuck are these names? I mean, I know I'm really, I was still really mad about the Rich Holland. A lot of people liked, I guess, as far as a gimmick goes. So good for him. Um, that's kind of looks like um
1: like a uh, what, what the hell's his name? Oh, he's one of my favorite actors. He played Venom. That's the only thing I can think of right now.
2: Like the guy that was in
1: pretty much everything? Bronson. He was in... Uh, fuck, why can't I think of his... Tom Hardy. He looked like a Tom Hardy character. That took way too long. Sorry.
2: Well, it's because we didn't want Tom Hardy to show up and start fighting us. You saw him in that... You've, you've seen Tom Hardy in movies. He's very aggressive. He broke Batman's
1: back. Yes, I did buy it right now.
2: Maybe you're wondering why one might show up to a podcast only to break your back. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> um, this match was pretty good. I will say that, but... uh, eh,
1: Man. Would you want to pat Tony Lorcan, or would you stay away from him if he was an alley cat? Same
2: snaggletooth. tooth. Well, <laughs> I'm an idiot, so I definitely would be the one with cat food. Like, come over here, little Oni. Let me get them snuggies.
0: <laughs> that's,
2: that's
1: what he sounds like, though. When he gets pissed, he's like, ah! and then he starts just chopping
2: the fuck out of people. Yeah. Oni Logan's great. Too bad that he is relegated to the Dolph Ziggler role on NXT, I guess. Just always catching L's. Shitting, getting shat on. I I don't know how you can look at Damian Priest and think that he's better than Oni Logan ever. Sorry, not well, to Well, I would but. say I would say the look is better
1: on Damian Priest, not the wrestling skills.
2: <laughs> well, fucking, well that's that's a big fucking part of it.
1: Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think I don't think D- Damian's the drizzling shits. He's just he's a tall dude.
2: I mean, he's fine. I guess. He was like the third best person in this fucking match. So <laughs> huh. I, I just I don't think I'm gonna get the I don't think I'm gonna get the Damien Priest. I think I'm done with the experiment of Damien Priest.
1: I'm still on the train. It's it's to be determined so far. Um anyways, so the show comes back, Tom Phillips talks about how Adam Cole and Pat McAfee have put their differences aside, and now Cole is focused on the main event, which will see Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly challenging Imperium for the NXT Tag Team titles. And we have a match with Keith Lee versus Cameron Grimes, in which Cameron Grimes, honestly, even if it's even if this is all a fucking work and Keith Lee's playing the character of being someone that pissed off, I would not want to have to fucking deal with that in retrospect, because uh, Keith got pretty method in this. I'll just put it that way. Uh, And by the end of the match, Lee powers up, but Grimes slides out once again. They collide in midair with crossbite attempts, but Grimes comes out on top for another two count. Grimes can't believe it. Grimes uh, waits for Lee to get up. Now, as the crowd uh, rallies, Grimes leaps for the cave-in stomp, but Lee catches him. Grimes uh, keeps pounding. Lee finally drops Grimes with a big strike. Lee is angry now as the crowd uh, rallies for him. Grimes blocks a move with more strikes to the face. Grimes keeps control once again, but Lee hits a big chop, then a short arm clothesline. Lee keeps holding Grimes by his wrist, nailing another short arm clothesline and then another. Uh, kind of a little bit of okada, you know, when towards the end of the matches where he just keeps on remaining or with wrist lock, and then he fucking just does it like three times. Uh, Lee takes his time and drops Grimes with a fourth short arm clothesline. Lee finally ends this with a spirit bomb for the win. And so, yeah, they, they gave Cameron Grimes a lot of offense. They did uh, at certain parts. But, but that's because he's like he's like a, a wiry character, man, even when he fucking wrestles. it just Even though based on his size, he just, it's believable. But Keith Lee throughout it didn't really change his demeanor. He would get the better of him. Oh, my God, that grizzly Magnum double-chopped to the chest looks fucking just vicious. Uh, so Keith Lee won, obviously, after the match. Lee stands tall, and his music his music hits. Uh, Lee stands in the middle of the ring when the lights go out. Spotlight shines on the ring as we hear uh, Scarlett speaking. Karrion Cross appears on the big screen. He says, it looks like we're doing this the hard way. Cross says he hasn't seen NXT General Manager William Regal around here since... Uh, he signed him. He goes on and says, Lee makes things happen around here. This is on him. The camera guy, it's in black and white, too, which was really cool. Camera goes wide, and we see several NXT superstars and just different people that work there, laid the fuck out, and he goes tick-tock. Lee watches on uh, from the ring as crosswalks past the bodies on the ground. Um, the only thing that was a problem with this whole concept, I thought it was awesome is that we have an interview right afterwards with the Undisputed Era backstage. I thought fucking Karen Cross destroyed everyone. He, he looked like he took out like every random guy that wasn't in the audience, maybe taking a pee break that, that's at the Performance Center, and a bunch of staff people. But it looked pretty savage. <laughs> it looked pretty savage, but it was just kind of like, all right. It's because, like I said, the next thing that we do after commercial break is Undisputed Era is talking to someone backstage. But, you know, for the visual, I thought it was effective. I like this build-up with Karen Cross and Keith Lee, and I like the match with Cameron Grimes and Keith Lee. Keith, I like Keith Lee pissed off. I really do. What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, Keith Lee carrying over with that pissed-off demeanor, you got under his skin kind of thing. I liked. I thought the match was good, but we've seen the match. We've seen this match. Is there no one else he can wrestle? You're right. No. We have seen this match. I've seen this match a lot. <laughs> And this wasn't the best one of those matches. And it was just thrown in the middle of the show. It's like, hey, here's our title holder. Let's throw him in the fucking middle of the show, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I it was fine. The Loomis thing to me, which we're going to get into with William Regal, is why even announce he has an injury? He's supposed to be this fucking artistic killer. He could just not show yeah. up to the match. He could, just, he could just play his music, and he just doesn't show up. Like, as soon as you do this where he's injured, you've ruined the gimmick.
0: Like, Undertaker
2: would not be in- injured. He just wouldn't show up. It's a good point. And I was actually... I, I didn't
1: think of it. It's uh, Gargano, Balor, and Holland so far involved in that last match. So...
2: Yeah, nope. I was just, like, baffled that William Regal came out and was like, Oh, Duxton Lupus has an ankle injury. He tweaked his ankle. It's like, are you, are you fucking serious right now? Out of all the characters to say that he has a sprained ankle, basically, <laughs> this is the one? <laughs> you could just not do that. <laughs> you could just not say anything and just have him not show up. So, to me, like, you know, protecting your characters... I would hope that Dexter Loomis said that this was a bad idea. He's like, maybe I just don't show up. That I mean, that's what I would hope for.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. All right, so like I said, Undisputed Era is backstage preparing for the main event when we get back from commercial. Um they go over the new Metallica song that they're playing for Takeover. I'm glad it's a Metallica song and not some random other shit like they usually fucking do. Like, well, how the hell? Sometimes I'm like, how did Triple H think this is a good song to fucking put on? Um. Anyways, yeah. So we already talked about the William Regal stuff.
2: <laughs> no need hold, to go on. Hold on that. before before we move on. Did you realize? Like, did you watch the Boneyard match again? Or the Undertaker documentary?
1: I mean, I've seen them. Why, what's up?
2: Because they used a new Metallica song, but in the documentary they totally cut it out and just played From Whom the Bell Tolls. I was so mad
1: about that, man. How the fuck are you going to play that new song from them and then do that on the goddamn doc so you had the money to pay for it? I was so mad.
2: It's like, why would you... You just do for whom the belt tolls. Like,
0: oh god. Uh, uh,
2: anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to stop the entire podcast and have a dude do a burnout in the driveway. No, I,
1: I, I, I meant, I meant for uh, to talk to you about that. I just completely forgot. Anyway, so, so we get back to the ring. We have, uh, you know, uh, Le- Legado del Fantasma all in the ring. They call out. Swerve Strickland. I mean, that was pretty much the main gist of it. Uh, we get a ma- we get a, a video package on NXT's tag team titles. Oh yeah, there was also the fact that they brought up Rizongo all like like he was bloodied up, and then Tyler Breeze tried to go and make a save, and then they just got their asses kicked. Um, I like the way they're doing this, Chris. Because they're making it look like it's it's like this legit concept, like the way that he grabbed like Phantasma's head after, or not Phantasma Brizongo, uh, but you know it's it's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing Isaiah Swerve Scott go against uh, what you call it Escobar. I think that's gonna be awesome.
0: All
2: right, so here's the thing I don't like. It's a faction, but meanwhile in the main event, another faction is just whipping the shit out of a different faction, and you're fighting Brazango? Who you've presented as a joke? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Alright, I'm, I'm... It's fine. I mean, Phantasma have a great match, I'm sure. But... How... how How are they even getting to that match? I mean, I think the match that you presented is is the match they're going to do. But it's like, how the fuck do you even get there? Why Why are they fighting Brazango?
1: Not quite sure. Honestly. So, next... All right, back from the break and Damian Priest in the parking lot talking to a WWE cameraman. He says the latter match opportunity at Takeover has made was made for him. He goes on and says the reign of infamy will take over Takeover. Uh, he asks about he's asked about Dexter Loomis injury, and he says it sucks to be Loomis. But we all get into the business knowing the risk. Bronson Reed walks up. And says he just wants to congratulate Priest. They end up having words and facing off. They agree to have a match apparently next week. So we're gonna have the two of those guys that are involved in the match going against each other. Um, and then you had a pretty awesome match with uh, Indy Hartwell and Tegan Knox. Uh, Liken. this is the second time I've seen Indy Hartwell really um, at all. Uh, I mean, I, I think I've heard her name before. I don't think she. I don't know if she was in the UK. Where she's only had a couple matches in XT. But good second match, and Tegan Knox got the win. They, uh, the crowd rallies around Knox uh, as she fights up from the mat. Hartwell drops Knox with an elbow and covers for a two count. Hartwell grounds Knox on the mat again. More back and forth. Knox mounts uh, some offense and tackles Hartwell. Unloading with strikes. Knox unloads uh, the corner and kicks now as the referee warns her to stop. Knox with a cannonball in the corner. Knox hits the shiniest wizard out of nowhere for the pin. Winner, Tegan Knox. Uh, after much, uh, Knox gets up and her music hits. Um, and yeah, uh, thought it was a uh, pretty decent match. It was just basically a match to build Tegan Knox and probably give a little credibility for Indy Hartwell, who already has a win due to some shadiness, but has a win uh, from. Um, Man, what is our favorite little green haired woman?
2: Oh, Lord. Shotzi.
1: Shotsy Blackheart. So she <laughs> has a win over her because of some fuckery with Mercedes Martinez, getting a receipt for all that bullshit with Robert. And uh, you know, she had a competitive match with Tegan Knox, but uh I really like Tegan Knox, man. I know I know that her shiniest wizard is should be illegal, but aside from that, you know, she's good.
2: The most disappointing part of the uh, of this match is the announcers not talking about this match. I had to hear about a guy that has a sports show. 90% of this match. Uh, In ring it was fine, but this was a squash. And they talked about uh, Mr. Pat McAfee. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: It's uh, McAfee.
2: McAfee. Okay. Let me get it right. I don't, I don't want to mispronounce a punter's name. Uh McCaffrey. Fuck em. Um What the fuck were they doing <laughs> on this? And why is Tegan Knox not a bigger star?
1: All right, um, and the last thing was the match built up between Undisputed Era and uh, Imperium, and I mean. There was a competitive match going on in the ring, but I don't remember most of what the fuck happened to it because of what they're building. And that's Pat is behind the desk with Todd Phillips. We still have, obviously, via Be Satellite, Beth Phoenix, and Mauro for announcing. And even though, you know, Triple H invited Pat there, apparently, as, you know, to, to men fences, and him and Adam Cole worked out their shit, Adam Cole's about 10 to 15 15- feet in front of him and obviously since there's not that much of a crowd um can hear a lot more than he would be able to in other situations and Pat's just running him down about his size and making other comments and uh finally adam cole tells Roderick strong like hold on i need to go fucking handle this he goes up talks to pat you know pat's just like i'm kidding i'm just talking crap don't, you know, don't, don't get so offended. And he basically likes, you know, slams his fists on the table and says, no, you don't get it. Shut your mouth. um, And just kind of tries to walk off. So Pat calls him an elf. And, you know, I mean, they've been building this thing well, but I have a lot to say about it after I, you know, describe it. So they, they did this whole entire thing on his show. Obviously we talked about it where Pat, we didn't know if it was a shoot or work. I knew it was a work. Um, and Pat pissed off Adam and he, he leaves, pushes over his, you know, his engineer and fucking storms out of the place. And so this is kind of going off of that. And during some of the shit talk before, uh, Beth got pissed off because, you know, Adam, you know, he was a guest and he's not an actual past wrestler. So she fucking leaves the, uh, unannouncing leaves, leaves So it's just Todd and him. So he's just, like I said, just talking shit, talking shit about Cole. After that, you know, he calls him an elf. Adam comes charging at him. Out Shawn Michaels, Triple H, everyone trying to break up between the two. While this is going on, Imperium get the fucking win because uh, Undisputed Era is distracted. And uh, you have a part where Pat's asked to leave by, by Triple H, tells him to get the fuck out of there. He turns around, comes back towards it. Adam le- like leaps at him onto the announce table. Uh, it looks like Pat's going to back away again, and then he comes back, punts him in the face. Uh, Adam does a great job of selling it, making it look like it knocked him the fuck out. Sean's trying to like help him. Triple H, enraged, starts pushing Pat McAfee uh, out of the place, and he's still making short jokes while an unconscious Adam Cole is left with Shawn Michaels going Hunter is a fucking doctor coming and we go off there. So shocking stuff. Good. Uh, bad. You just made your longest running champion. Someone that I think a lot of us are worried about if he decides, or if he gets put on the main roster, he'll get buried because of his fucking size. And you're going to make a whole entire angle to get a celebrity in there. Now, I know that Pat's done a bunch of stuff with WWE in the past, and maybe him and Adam worked this out, but I think this is fucking stupid. This is something Vince would do. This is not something Triple H would do. I thought the way they handled it was awesome. I mean, it looked legit. It looked real. The anger was there. They pulled off the punt really well, but I don't need a Bam Bam Bigelow-Lawrence Taylor match the next takeover with a guy that just lost the fucking belt and had been the champion for a long duration of time and has been the Ric Flair of his goddamn group didn't like it it stinks what do you think Chris
2: are you really asking me what I think about this are we serious right now it's, it was terrible this guy he has less than 900,000 subscribers on YouTube this is not a celebrity this is not the same extent of, as drink bringing in, like, you know, Robin Williams or, like, who else have they fucking brought in? Like, any uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This guy is not on the same fucking level. Like, your competition actively had more viewers last week than this guy has subscribers. And this is what you're going to do is have a punter kick one of the longest reigning champions you've ever had in your entire company that's the feud you want to set up for what like what the fuck is the point of this i mean like i don't know i haven't listened to his show other than the you know i'm i'm sure it's a good sports show he probably knows a lot about football I'm not saying anything bad against the guy cuz i haven't listened to his fucking show but i will tell you if you're asking me right now something you should do with your champion Unless this guy's coming in and he's, like, Vin Diesel or some shit, you should not have him, like, get punted in the head by a guy. Now, like, if Peyton make, like, you know, if you have, like, Peyton Manning throw a football at this fucking dude's head at 100 miles an hour and knock him out or some shit, and you want to do something dumb with that, it's fucking Peyton Manning. (laughs) That's very different. Or if, like, You know, Shaquille O'Neal showed up in the WWE, right? Floyd Mayweather Jr. This guy is none of that. He's just a guy that has a sports podcast, which, you know what? I have a sports podcast too. So I'm not by any means crapping on this guy. But at the same time, like, I would hope that any NXT fan would not want me to show up and just beat Adam Cole or super kick him in the face and get a pin or some shit. I would hope that, Dane.
1: Best acting goes to Triple H.
2: I mean, probably. How was he surprised? (laughs) Like, didn't he go on his show, like, the day after? He's like, uh, excuse me, uh, I apologize for, uh... You do a way better Triple H than I do. Uh, apologize,
1: uh... Dad. (laughs) Well, (laughs) would you... Sorry about that, Pat, you know, with everything that's going up. With, you know, these crazy kids, Adam Cole, he just, he's you know, he's, he's short-tempered. Oh, damn it. Do,
2: do you feel like Triple H is saying systemic a lot? Because I feel like he's saying systemic a lot.
1: I didn't even know he could pronounce systemic.
2: <laughs> well, you just kind of slur it. It's like Rocky.
1: <laughs> hey, systemic. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Rocky impression. That's
2: pretty good. All right. Well, um, anyways, wow. I i hated this. And the reason <laughs> I hated it is because you buried the guy that carried your company for 297 days. You had him kind of win against Velveteen Dream, who's disappeared off the face of the earth, which you should probably make a fucking statement about if he's not coming back. And, uh,. Then he loses to Keith Lee, and he just is gone for three weeks, and now he's fighting a fucking punter from the Indianapolis Colts. Like, who gives a shit? Wrestling fans do not care about this. I promise you. The people that watch NXT, your core audience that watch NXT, doesn't give a shit about this guy. (laughs) I'm like one of the weird people that actually likes sports and also watches wrestling. (laughs) your core audience of nxt fans that have stuck with you this entire time period they don't give a shit about this guy i promise you
1: yep i know man i don't get it this is not really much of a celebrity match and uh no been cool if they got conor mcgregor to fucking come
2: well, or. yeah, I mean Conor McGregor versus like Adam Cole, they could have done something, because <laughs> I'm sure you could talk like Conor McGregor into doing like you know, a Bailey to belly slam. <laughs> 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 no, I mean all jokes aside, like I mean I know this guy has trained with the Rick Rogers and he's a huge wrestling fan and that's cool and all. It's just like you, sometimes you have to weigh what your product means and is Adam Cole the right guy for this? Really?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you, man. I don't know. Well, hey, I have an idea, and you might hate this idea. Actually, I don't think you're going to hate this idea at all. (laughs) I say I'll bring up the ratings because that's always a a bone of uh, contention for AEW and NXT and shit. But there's only three things I really want to talk about from Raw and SmackDown. I don't want to do a whole nother fucking show. Um, which originally we're going to do, uh, would you be willing to just go over those three things?
2: Yeah, dude, whatever you want
1: to do. Let me bring up these ratings. Pretty impressive with, uh, with AEW. NXT was up, uh, but I mean, Dynamite was really up. Dynamite had 900,000 viewers, 901,000 viewers. Uh, NXT was up to 753,000 viewers. Uh, Aew a- 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 ranked five in cable, top 150, while nxt ranked 27. Aew ranked 58 in viewership, while nxt ranked 64 in viewership. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is this was good, man. This is definitely good to hear. Um, I just I wish I love to see dynamite go to about 900 and fluctuate between that and a million soon. And I'd love to see NXT uh, gradually get to like 800 to close to 900 and try to see if they can garnish that amount. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure everyone's happy right here, especially TNT.
2: Yeah, I mean, how would you not be stoked about that? I mean, the Pat McAfee being attacked by Adam Cole was only 1 million viewers (laughs) on YouTube. (laughs) Just on YouTube. What the fuck? Why? I'm sorry. Yes, uh, AEW did very well. I think it has a lot to do with uh, bringing in Eric Bischoff and uh, Darby Allin being in the title match. I think people like Darby Allin a lot. Uh,
1: I think so, man. I think Darby Allin's becoming a, a huge force, I would say, uh, oh, over Sam- at AEW.
2: And Sammy Guevara being back probably didn't hurt either. But I think you can look at that show and see who they're. Who could be their breakout superstars? Darby, like, well, not just Darby, but John Moxley being back in general has increased their ratings. His um,
1: so. music's growing on me, by the way.
2: Oh, his, like, intro? Or whatever? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: all that shit. I, just, I, I love the... I hope that Roman does this when he shows back up. He just shows up at random fucking places instead of the one place to walk down to the ring. Re-
1: yeah what's he gonna do cut through the crowd
2: <laughs> sure why not what are you gonna do fight Roman Reigns that seems like a bad idea
1: yeah that'd be a really bad idea alright so the three things I want to talk to you about Ron Smackdown and there was some good stuff there was some bad stuff I'm just we have a long podcast we didn't get a chance to do something the other night because of me so we're recording this all on Saturday um I mean, I want to talk about, obviously, the new Antifa storyline going through both shows, especially what the fuck happened at the end of it uh, last night. I want to talk about Raw Underground, and I want to talk about this Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, face-to-face speed or uh, promo off, if you will, that I thought was really good. Did you have anything else from Raw SmackDown that you think that I'm forgetting about? Maybe from SmackDown. Cause I mean I don't. Do
2: you want to talk about Mandy Rose and her haircut and shit? I mean I would say Apollo Cruz winning uh, the fake title. That was kind of cool on his comeback.
1: Yeah, you're right. That was pretty cool, but it also kind of and I, I it took it took the uh, the hurt business in a weird direction from them losing everything to kind of like all of a sudden ending up and dominating over at Raw um, afterbirth whatever the fuck it's called. it Raw afterbirth
2: underground
1: underground Raw. All right. So first we'll talk about this Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton uh, face-to-face. Um, we go to the ring and out comes WWE champion Drew McIntyre. We see how he got hit by Randy Orton's RKO last week on Raw. Drew takes the mic and says Orton has been preying on a vulnerability for 20 years. He mentions last week's attack and thanks Orton for the lesson learned. Drew says it will never happen again. Drew says he knows that motivated Orton last week. He knows Orton is just motivated to take the WWE title as as he wants to keep it. Drew goes on and mentions how Vince McMahon once told both of them that they would be the future of WWE at different times. Drew says Orton had everything handed to him and spoon-fed to him because of his dad. He also mentions evolution and how that they would always clean up Orton's mistakes, uh, Drew admits to his own mistakes and says he deserves to get fired years ago. He said Orton left enough of his own crap, literally, behind him and should have been fired long before Drew was, which sounds like a reference to Orton defecating in people's bags. That's what someone wrote up here, and that's actually, yeah, that's what I was thought they were going for. <laughs> kind of fucked up.
2: Was it Orton or was it Axe
1: <laughs> uh, Orton, uh, Orton apparently did too. If both of them did, fuck. What, why are you gonna shit in someone's bag,
2: I Drew? Have Just go out and smoke with the Big Show like you normally do, Orton.
1: Ugh. Drew keeps on uh, until the music interrupts, and here comes Orton with Hall of Famer Ric Flair. Orton interrupts Drew and admits he shouldn't. He should have been fired uh, multiple times. Orton says. He was given chances over and over because he is the chosen one and the best ever. Orton challenges Drew to come up with something original against him. Something instead of whatever Edge says about him getting everything served to him. Like Drew uh, lays the title down in the middle of the ring. And he says, all right, Randy, you want me to shoot with you? Drew recalls how The Undertaker talked about pulling Orton to the level in the Last Ride documentary. Drew says Orton has never done the same. Uh, to an up-and-comer wrestler in WWE's he's never passed on knowledge that legends passed on to Orton Drew recalls Orton's uh, walking past him in catering years ago Drew's life was crumbling professionally and personally his mother was sick and he was far from home Orton could have lent out a hand But he didn't uh, Drew doesn't see a leader from him. He sees a selfish prick Orton is still looking on from the stage with flair Drew goes on now about how he's going to have receipts from current and former uh, roster members at SummerSlam and he's going to destroy Orton. For everyone, Orton has kicked in the head over the years and done wrong. Uh, He said, and I promise you, Randy, what I will do will be right in front of your face because, you know, Randy does out of nowhere. Anyways, Drew's music hits as they stare each other down. I thought this was an excellent promo between them. I thought that it kind of had that edge, like, oh, all right, we get it. Randy Orton's this prick whose dad was a wrestler, and that's the only reason he gets all these advances. Like, you got to be a little more original. And then Randy actually calls him out on that, and then Drew fucking starts speaking about something that, who knows if there's any reality to it or not. I thought it was very effective. I like that he said it's going to be, I promise you, it's going to be right in front of you, or right in front of your face, I think is what he said. And I thought it was an effective promo, and I'm looking forward to this match between the two of them. Uh, what do you think, Chris?
2: I'm looking forward to this match too, but they used the same device with Kofi Kingston.
1: They did. They they kind of tend to do that. I, I was happy that, you know, Randy got to shut up Drew at least and be like, "Hey, what else do you got besides that?"
2: I just like Randy Orton's gimmick of telling people that he's better than they are. And there's no excuse because he's like been there for 20 years in the cell, had like 13 championships or whatever, not including like intercontinental, etc. It's just like, um, yeah. I mean, I thought the Drew promo was pretty good as a rebuttal. Um, Randy Orton's just been on fire lately. Yeah, apparently he does. He's one of the few that does really good with the scripted promos. So. <laughs> good on randy he's like i'll memorize this shit and i'll spit it out um i mean you can definitely tell that's. i mean if you've heard randy talk on anything ever like any of the shows they have this is obviously they're helping him a bit with the promos i think he's adding some attitude to it i would love for randy to get his arm broken and then show up with a cast and and bonk him in the head and that's how he gets oh
1: wow that would be awesome
2: After all the shit talking about Cowboy Bob, might as well show up with a broke arm just knock this dude in the fucking head. Bonk. Pin. I I think they're taking the title off of Drew, and it's not Drew's fault. It's not going to matter if Randy has the title or not. It's just you're putting on a bad show, and that's why people aren't watching it. But it does seem that they're starting to think that it's the Drew thing, which it's really not.
1: It's a bullshit cop-out. Oh, actually, before we go on, why don't we talk about, you know, the Samoa Joe part? Uh, Because we had Seth Rollins doing a little speech in the ring with uh, Murphy talking about Rey Mysterio and obviously about Dominic. And um, Dominic wants a match with him. Well, he he noticed that the week before, and he uh, goes back to a video package of you know, Dominic getting the better of buddying him with the Kendo stick in front of Todd Phillips and Todd Phillips cheering him on. And, uh, you know, kind of started getting extremely defensive to Todd Phillips. And at one point, it reminded me very much of when Taz went after Jim Ross and fucking Jerry King Lawler was like, hold on motherfucker. Like, you know, yeah. that's not going to happen because Smojo, who is injured right now still because of a a second injury from AOP after the original one that happened live in which they power bombed him through an announce table for a fucking spot on a video game commercial. Uh, yeah, shit happens. But, um, anyways, he was there to be like, no, 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 not going to happen. You think I'm going to let you fucking just attack my colleague partner? She's like, you know, he's like, there's there. How about I beat up your boy and slap the taste out of your mouth? And, uh, you know, Samoa Joe, Gets them back in the ring. Uh, they back up basically with weapons. Samoa Joe's about to take him on like he doesn't give a shit. And then Dominic in the background knocks both of them with kendo sticks. Uh, Buddy kind of goes out to the ring. And then Seth gets set up into a 619. And uh, yeah, made Dominic look pretty pretty strong. He looked pretty sweet doing everything that he did. I love seeing Samoa Joe like not back down. And uh, I thought that was a pretty cool part. That happened on Raw. What'd you think, Chris?
2: I love the Dominic stuff. I like the Samoa Joe stuff. I will say it's a waste of fucking Samoa Joe. But whatever they want to do, I guess. (laughs) I like seeing Dominic being utilized in this manner. I like the thought of him and Seth having a match. I like that Rey Mysterio recently signed back today, which which we talked about a little bit (laughs) earlier. But, uh,. Samoa Joe, man, he's like one of the best promos and wrestlers they have on their roster. It's the best thing you can have him do is do fucking commentary. He's like Macho Man in the 90s.
1: Yep. Or or Jerry.
2: If if I'm like fucking AJ Styles, I'm like, this is insulting to both of us.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I just don't... I know he's been out for a minute, but I wonder how long from his injury he is, you know?
2: Well, I mean, isn't his injury getting dropped on his head by AOP? So just don't have him fight fucking AOP again.
1: Well, <laughs> just... no, I. It, the, the last injury he had was a spot for a commercial that they did for SmackDown, and they did a fake thing where AOP put him through the announce table, and I think his head bounced off the, uh, whatever, the fucking monitor, basically, because they didn't remove it or something like that. But it just that that's the last injury he sustained. And before that, it was them dropping him in an actual match. So,
2: why Either like, either like, uh, like you know, DIY is the greatest tag team of all time, and they're unscathed for some reason, or like AOP is the worst tag team of all time. Like I, I don't know what happened. Like it's Samoa Joe. Like how are you hurting this guy? <laughs>
1: I don't know, man. It sucks.
2: He got well, hurt man. in a commercial with AOP.
1: Yeah, that, that they put him through a uh, what's gonna call announce table uh, for a commercial for I think SmackDown or the or it was either SmackDown or Two K Twenty when that came out, and it was right when he came back from injury, um, and like I said, they they double power bombed him through the fucking announce table, and something just went wrong, and it fucked him up again. I mean,
2: he- he came back from injury from them though like why would you yeah like directly against them again i don't understand this is like i i kind of got it with kerry zane because it was like almost a punishment because she was going to leave that contract (laughs) basically but like the fuck is is samoa joe's contract almost up dane is that what's happening
1: no idea i have no fucking clue uh, let's talk about the last two things that are obviously the big counting uh, talking points, if you will. Um, so there is a new group of wrestlers called Retribution, Chris. Now, we had a conversation not too long ago where you said, and I agreed with you, that trying a new age nation of domination in which they decided not to go with was probably a bad idea because it would be too politically you know, in-depth. So, instead of doing that, something that they've already at least tried, so they know that they there might be, you know, some benefit in trying it out. We're gonna go full fucking Antifa storyline. Call the group Retribution and have them on Monday Night Raw throw Maltov cocktails at a fucking generator. Like, that makes a lick of sense whatsoever. Things that don't explode, apparently. Um, and screw with, you know, the mics and the lights and shit. And then Last night, you saw them break in, beat the crap out of every audience member, beat up every staff member, even though all the wrestlers apparently weren't there anymore, and destroy everything, um, and declare themselves in the ring. We don't know who any of these wrestlers are. Uh, I don't. Know, they don't sound familiar at all. So I have no fucking clue what the hell's going on. And they're basically a knockoff Antifa. And, I don't know, personally to me, I think Antifa's a fucking joke, and I don't know why the hell you would even try to do a storyline of of people, you know, rioting, basically. Like, what the fuck is wrong with Vince? What the fuck?
2: We can only hope that this is somehow anchored by Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan is going to come out as, like, the savior of this thing.
1: Ugh. I don't even know if I want that. I think that'll look bad on Daniel Bryan.
2: This I mean, just yeah, he,
1: I mean, he
2: just—he just had a baby, so he's gonna be gone for a couple of months, anyways. So, like, I don't—I don't know, dude. This is exactly what I was saying. They would have done the same thing with Nation of Domination. It would have been the same problem because they wouldn't have done Nation of Dominations. They—they would have done like a Black Lives Matter political group. And then try to work that into wrestling, where it's like, well, now I don't want to see these guys lose, but they're supposed to be heels. It's it's the same fucking thing. Like, it's don't mix politics with wrestling. It never ends well. I mean, unless you're MJF and the po- politics is you just want to be champion or whatever or EC3, I guess, but. This is, uh yeah, no, it sucks. So they bombed the, a generator, right, on Monday Night Raw. So we get to spend the rest of Monday Night Raw watching very shitty Blair Witch Project, I guess.
1: Oh, here's even funnier. So I decided, because I'm sick and twisted, to turn on 205 Live to see what would happen. So I guess they filmed it at a different time because none of this stuff was fucked up on 205 Live somehow.
2: And then it's like... They filmed God, they filmed two Rawls and one SmackDown and they're like even the consist the continuity, I mean I'm not to be like a film nerd, but the continuities like they're doing this in the night, but like you're having a match at eight on the east coast and it's not dark outside when I walk outside, so like the fuck are you on about? Kinda of thing. But like Um Man, I don't know, dude. This is this is terrible. It's gonna suck. Like unless it's Daniel Bryan or CM Punk, this is gonna suck.
1: I I hate this. I I ugh. I don't. Yeah, it's,
2: it's kind of Nexus,
1: except for taking it to like even a way worse extreme. Like at least Nexus wasn't something real. It was kind of like I guess. An NWO type of concept.
2: This well, is like too much for me. I mean, I mean, kind of. They were definitely a political movement against WWE, which is what they're going for. But it's the wrong time to go for this, and that's what I was. It's saying.
1: gonna be such good shit.
2: This is exactly what I was saying. Is it, like you think you want it to happen because everyone loves a good faction, right? And everybody wants to see Ron Simmons back because, like, fuck, it's Ron Simmons, that's dope. But at the same time, as soon as WWE puts it into, like, activation mode, it's terrible. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, it's, we knew it was going to be bad. I did not know they were going to do this. It was really surprising to me that they only had, like, one minute on Raw. And I don't know how much time they, I guess they had the whole end of SmackDown, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, like,
2: five five minutes or whatever. But, God, this was terrible. They should focus more on uh, Bailey's hair. She's getting all sorts of cool shit carved at the back of her hair if you follow her on Instagram. That's way I'll, more energy. I'll, I'll be
1: sure to look into that. But...
2: <laughs> she she has Becky... Uh, now what does she have? All the gold is on the back of her head right now, I think.
1: It's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to shave Fuck My Life on the back of my head. Um, I mean,
2: that would be better than the Antifa storyline. <laughs>
1: so... <laughs> All right. So I think that me and you might differ, but let me explain myself on this next part with Raw Underground. I didn't 100% hate this compared to the Antifa fucking storyline that we're going to be getting mainly because that was the two things they premiered. And the reason why I'm saying this, I don't think there's enough of pro wrestling fans that are all uh, also MMA fans that are going to want to watch this on a third hour. But if this kind of branches off, either gets put on the network and they kind of pepper it in on Raw a little bit to kind of build something, and we get to see more displayed, you know, stuff that we're seeing on NXT with the Oni Lorcan uh, matches with uh, Timothy Thatcher – you premiere a wrestler. Either they're already big, and it would make sense for them to be a part of something like this. These basically what Josh Barnett's been doing, what Matt Riddle did with his promotion, uh, and Frank Mir with, with Josh Barnett with their promotion of having these these fake, you know, UFC MMA style fights. If if I'm just saying, 205 Live probably has a viewership of of 20. If you put this on as a different program and it's got this type of feel, I'm not saying that Shane has to be, you know, a part of it. it I guess it makes sense because at one time Shane tried to convince Vince before Zufa and, uh, and uh, Dana White to buy the UFC and let him, like, basically run it a long time ago. So I know he's invested in this concept. But if you get to show off Chad Gable in a certain way, Dolph Ziggler is actually a wrestler you know, you have both Tucker and fucking Otis that are both have wrestling backgrounds. You have Timothy Thatcher, so you can show off NXT talent. You got, you know, Oscar. You can put in there with someone like Mercedes Martinez. There is a way to do this a correct way. I th- I'm actually interested, but the way that they presented on Raw and just giving us like three random segments and then fucking, you know, uh, M- uh what the hell, uh, MVP takes it over and whatnot kind of confusing i don't know what's going to happen next week they're going to keep on doing this but like i said there is a level of intrigue with me with them trying something like this if that makes sense you hated it completely didn't you
2: yes but i'll I'll explain why i hated it um i hate it because you got to do one or the other like the thing that works about uh, Barnett's uh, blood sport Is that's the entire show It is a shoot wrestling show Pro Pro Noah Like where Ken Shamrock came from That was their style Even though it wasn't work It was still a kind of a shoot et cetera, that That's your style You can't do this But then like believe that the Monday Night Messiah Is doing a Falcon Hour era Later on in the night That is the problem you're you're cutting your show in half, and also like, I I watched Ivar just hit all of his wrestling moves, basically all of his fucking normal wrestling moves, in what was supposed to be a.
1: Show. Yeah.
2: So, you can't do this. I mean, you can you can like if you want to have like just good ass wrestling matches, put that on WWE Network. Like you know like if Ziggler just wants to stretch somebody. Or if someone thinks he can take Ziggler, like you wanna have like an amateur wrestling match on the WWE network or whatever, because you're already exposing the fucking I'm not sound like Jim Cornette, but you're already exposing the business when you start talking about FCW and shit and like how you were trained for all your top stars with Bailey and, and Seth, anyways. Why not just do that there? This fight club thing is, is dumb. I mean the fight club thing should be if you're gonna do it, you would have to do it like more hardcore and have someone like a John Moxley or someone. It would be like the ringer of the fight club, but like like a shoot style wrestling where they do the same shit as your normal wrestlers on your normal ass wrestling show, it doesn't fucking work. It's bad. Yeah,
1: I can agree with that. I can agree with that because it kind of exposes one way or another. Even though I mean technically throughout the breakdown, wrestling has if, if we were to pretend that it's, and at one time it was, obviously, you know, pretend it's not a work, um, it has different rules that apply to it than MMA does, you know, but it kind of, it's too much a different reflection off of that. That's why I think if they were to do this, if this is to them testing the waters to see if there's any type of, you know, viewership increase for this, maybe they're thinking about doing a network show and kind of lucha undergrounded, if you will, in a way where they can still work the matches much like Bloodsport does, and utilize and highlight a lot of the guys that kind of cater towards that style. Your Shayna Baslers, your Matt Riddles, your Timothy Thatcher's, your Dolph Ziggler's, anyone that has experience in any of those type of things. If that's what they want to do, great. Or if maybe, I guess, if USA is looking for another show, I can't see them doing that. But if they're going to try to put this on the third hour, I think that it will not look good uh compared to their other stuff it just will looks fucking weird to have try to incorporate mma and pro wrestling in the same three-hour show
2: i, th- I think that's more of what i'm getting at i, I don't think they're like we've seen with Bloodsport. you can do this and you can do it right but you can't have it split right it has to be one or the other you can't have yeah. You can't have people doing springboard dives to the outside, and then you go to commercial, and then you come back, and it's fucking a street fight. Right? Like, you can't do it. you got to choose one or the other. And I'm not, you know, I'm not here to talk about the legitimacy of boxing or UFC, because as you know, I have questions about all sports. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you you can't do both you got to pick one or the other you can't fucking you can't half ass this shit you can't you can't have Shawn Michaels diving to the undertaker and then have like you know Ken Shamrock choking the dude out in the next segment they they tried you know where, this they did Yeah brawl I was about to all. say well
1: not only <laughs> brawl for all but it looked I and I loved it but it looked awkward when they had the Lions Den matches with Dan Severn, Ken Shamrock, Owen Hart, Bret Hart where they would do these style type of things where it was a work shoot. Well, it was a worked MMA match, basically, in the middle of a fucking cage. And then you would go back to normal pro wrestling. It just looked weird. And also, Brawl for All is, was a damn, it was it was real. And that did not help them look, it look weird comparing to pro wrestling.
2: I mean, if you're going to try to do this and present it as a shoot, you should definitely just bring back Bar Gunn since he won the first fucking thing
1: put him in this. How about how about Josh Barnett versus Bart Gunn?
2: Sure. Matt Riddle versus Bart Gunn. That's how you get a guy over, I guess. I like, like I don't know what they're doing. I mean they're just throwing shit at the wall. And like I'm seeing like, if anything like, sticks. And like everyone said, like Vince McMahon's been so behind the times. He probably just saw Fight Club and he's like, ah, oh, that
1: was a good movie, pal. Like We're gonna take we're gonna take two different things from that. We're gonna have a <laughs> you know a organization that destroys stuff. Like, Project Mayhem, and then we're going to do the Fight Club.
2: I mean, that is what it seems like happened. It's like he finally saw Fight Club, and he was like,
1: That was a good movie, bud. I love that Edward Norton. <laughs> that Ed Norton, he's got potential.
2: <laughs> that Ed Norton has potential. <laughs> he's going to host WrestleMania next year because of this. I mean, you know what? There's worse people to host WrestleMania than Edward Norton. No, I, I don't have a
1: problem with that. <laughs> As long as but, he's not playing his character from American History X, I think we'll be fine.
2: Well, I mean, you know, he changes in the in the movie. Yep. So yeah, you know, I mean, that's a fucked up movie, but he, you know, he gets better.
1: <laughs> or Stainal Sex will do that.
2: Uh, I think it was more just about love. That movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the guy that he—I—I I, I get it. Um, yeah, we can have yeah. a
2: different conversation about that on a different podcast, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, getting back to this, like I said, if they were to attempt this on the network, to, you know, by itself and kind of incorporate different people that have, like, Oni Lorcan can be a part of it. Obviously, there's certain people that make sense to try this out on there. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be too jarring and too weird. Uh, because even if you go back to wrestling, Chris, when wrestling went from being a shoot to a work to doing the whole old school Carnies concept was back in the days when George Hackenschmidt and Frank Gotch, because of the wrestling rules, could wrestle for four fucking hours straight and people were getting exhausted. So like the boxing industry and stuff like that, they you know they started working it. It was, I think I think it was called the Gold Dust Trio. That incorporated the concept of making it a work, and it was Ed Strangler-Lewis, his manager, and Tousmont who would start the WWF later with Vince McMahon Sr. So, But they their rules, old-school wrestling rules, you didn't go out to the fucking outside and shit like that. There wasn't, you know, if, if you did that, that would be bad. Like, later on with the NWA, if you got clotheslined over the top, like Royal Rumble style, that was getting out. There was no open-hand punches. That was something very much enforced. So wrestling rules have gotten more lax, so it does look more stylized compared to an MMA fight, even if you're doing a fake MMA fight, I guess. There's some history for everyone.
2: I mean, I think I think the answer is are there people on the roster that could do what they're trying to achieve? Which the There's a select few, but there are people that could do this. But You can't just have it in the middle of your normal-ass wrestling show. Yep. You have to choose one or the other. So it's not like I hated this. I mean, whatever. They popped a rating because it was fucking weird, right, Shane McMahon? But next week, no one is going to care about this.
1: Nope. Because if
2: they cared about this, they would just watch, like... You would just watch either amateur wrestling or MMA, or it's it's the same thing that happened with Brawl for All. There's better fights to be seen. Yes. So I mean, Mike Tyson's about to fight Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> real soon. Holy fuck! So it's there's like, other things it's, you could watch. It's like Hulk
1: Hogan you- versus versus Shawn Michaels.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But you get what I'm saying. Like you yeah. you gotta pick one or the other. You can Do you do you,
1: do you agree with me that the concept of it being on raw not a good idea especially if this is something just short to do stick at the wall like you said to to raise ratings temporarily but if this is them testing to see if there's any audience that likes this and they're planning on doing a network thing that might be different
2: i think you should sell it as amateur wrestling and then just put amateur wrestling on your fucking thing
1: or that I'm just I'm 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 down for seeing like Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler in a wrestling style match, like even yeah. if it worked one, fuck yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah,
2: it's just amateur wrestling or whatever. I mean, like it's you know catch style or whatever, but it you could just see them in an amateur wrestling match. Like
1: Alistair Black, um, what if Alistair? What if they put like some type of uh, tournament, and Alistair Black is just fucking up people, you know, with you're, kickboxing.
2: You're sounding a lot like Vince Russo right now. You know,
1: you know, bro, if, if, we, if we take the fucking Aleister Black and fucking put him in the fucking ring and, bro, he fucking does a spin kick, fucking
2: done. Fucking over with. I don't know that Alistair Black can beat JBL in a fight, even with the spin kicks.
1: Well, here's the thing. One's got actual martial arts skills. The other one's just a uh, aggressive individual well, I mean, that can punch hard.
2: There were others there that just dipped out when they saw Bart Gunn knocking people out. So, you know, it's, it's a Bart. very debatable.
1: Ken Shamrock <laughs> versus Bart Gunn, first night. That will be great. Uh,
2: they should have done that. I know that documentary is so great. Ken,
1: Ken and Dan both were like, nope, not yeah. my legacy. Fuck that.
2: They're like, these points don't even make sense. Like, even if I beat this guy, did I really beat him? And also, it's wrestling, so no one's going to believe it's real. We're both fucking done. It's like they went back and had a smoke and talked about it with each other and just both quit. (laughs) Like, nope. And that says a lot about Kid Shamrock, because he fought in that first UFC, which was a clusterfuck. (laughs) But I do love Jim Brown on commentary. Some of my favorite things of all time. Jim Brown's like... There's, like, one guy in the first UFC that just has one boxing glove on because he doesn't want to, like, break his hand because he has a title match coming up. Like, there's some weird stuff in that first UFC fight.
1: It's so awkward, man.
2: It's, like, Jim Brown. I can't can't think of the other guy's name, and I apologize because he is kind of, like, unknown treasure at this point, but... He is so hyped about it, and Jim Brown's just like so stoic on how he's just, like, talking about everyone. Jim Brown's like, "Well, I guess they're gonna get in here and fight."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's lord! Not,
2: that's, that's not even a sarcastic impersonation. That's like, watch it.
1: <laughs> that's like. Well, I did. I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I watched it not too long ago. It was on YouTube for free. So I watched the whole thing. God, it was so awkward. It's like, man, based on the early 90s, UFC has come a long fucking way.
2: Who was the one guy with the white shorts on, uh, bald head? He was like, he just wrecked everybody until he got a Gracie. I mean, the whole thing was set up for, you know, Gracie to check this dude out, right? Basically, yeah. And he was able to use his gi, too, which was not... That's why Shamrock tapped he was like is he allowed to do this kind of thing he talked about that with us i think yep. on the interview he was like i well i didn't know he's like i you know he was choking me with his gi there's no rules kind of so i you know like i was gonna die so i tapped <laughs> but he didn't have me with his actual arm
1: i don't know man that those were those were those were some different days when it comes to mma man that was uh very crazy times. That was back when you, wa- I think, Pride was a little bit more, uh, you know, established as far as their rules. And I'm pretty sure Zufa and Dana White kind of stole from, you know, some of the the rules and the breakdowns of weight classes later on. That fucking, or maybe even before they came in, but that Pride was doing. And also, um, what the hell, Suzuki's uh, old wrist
2: Pain, you know. Yeah, Pancras was Suzuki, Shamrock, and a bunch of other guys. Um, they just I mean, they,
1: they, they organized it better, I think, than UFC did originally off the bat in the mid-'90s.
2: Which, if the listeners out there haven't heard, check out the Ken Shamrock interview. where I asked him if he ever would uh, fight Suzuki again.
1: He said yes, I think. He, I he be- said
2: yes. He said work or shoot. He would definitely fight him again, which, god please let that be a thing <laughs> someone yep. get in touch with Mike Tyson <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> uh, but yeah like if you guys haven't seen that check that out and also Ken Shamrock's a badass he's still he's still out there on the TNA doing good stuff yeah impact I guess um but yeah this underground fight club stuff sucks
0: <laughs>
1: like i said like i'm open to the idea of them trying something i just don't want to even give them that much credit i'm thinking that they're just trying whatever to see if it gets ratings um but if they were to try this in you know like i said like a lucha underground kind of visual like they kind of already had and were are incorporating different people that had these styles and doing these type of worked mma style fights i'd be down for it i just don't think they're going to but then again like i said 205 live is still around who the fuck watched 205 live anymore they, they have cruiserweight matches on nxt and everything else like there's it's usually 30 minutes now for christ's sake so
2: well, i mean i mean that's part of the problem is like even if you put this thing on separately it's not even professional wrestling at this point it's a fake shoot fight and a in a in a division which has champions that are like brock lesnar who's fucking
0: an ex-ufc
2: champion like
1: oh brock shows up and goes against bobby lashley that would be
2: pretty cool like what do you what do you even do with this thing i mean i like the idea but it's one of those things where you have to change your entire company for it to work because what are yeah. you gonna do it with like it would
1: Brock's- have to be it would have to be a niche thing and i think Obviously, cruiserweight wrestling is closer to actual wrestling than fucking MMA, but kind of how I guess cruiserweight is a kind of separate entity to itself that could garnish its own show,
2: I don't know watched Bloodsport and was like, that's a good idea. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a good idea if that's, like, the thing you do, where you're gonna be like, this is all this, and we you have Nora Suzuki versus filthy Tom Lawler. That's gonna be fun.
1: <laughs> that's what, you can get one-offs, man. Get people just to come in for, like, a main event-style thing. Tom Lawler, you can get... Your commentators can be Mike Goldberg and fucking Moro Ranallo. Pride and UFC's old fucking MCs. Well, there's there's uh, ways to go about this. I know you hate the idea of Morton Allo, but he's he's must-needed for an MMA-style concept.
2: I, I think he's, he's way better at MMA. He's yeah. overhyped on wrestling, and it's because of the spots. He feels like he has to be very excited on every spot, and there's a bazillion fucking spots in every match, so he just constantly comes off like he's yelling. It's not really his fault. I mean, part of that is just wrestling, like... I would love to yeah. hear him commentate like a like ricky the dragon steamboat versus macho man randy savage match
1: <laughs> i'm sure that you could pay him to, to do that just like
2: <laughs> you know what i mean like there's nothing there's like barely anything to yell about until george the animal still gets in the ring you're like hey why don't you get out of there <laughs> oh my god that hairy man is on the apron <laughs> yeah like you know i mean. At some at some point I don't blame him. Some of it's just like, you know, there's a bazillion fucking spots in wrestling. I can't imagine him doing AEW. And this is not just an NXT thing, but imagine him doing AEW during that tag match. He would have died. <laughs> like... Yeah, he
1: would have had a heart attack. <laughs> he Jim Ross would be like, Are you serious tomorrow? You you really gonna be that that
2: Yeah. My dad about but... it. I, I think that's the thing about like some of these old school announcers is like, well, there's only so much you can announce. Sometimes you just have to let the spots happen. Moro always goes that extra mile of enunciating like the spot that happened, <laughs> which it, it fits well in some matches and in other matches you're just like, Goom, poom, blah Tiger Suplex off the top ropes." <laughs> you're like, All right, dude. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Toasty. mortal Kombat style you should probably one of those but uh i don't know long story short i think this is a terrible idea they should not do this underground thing
1: (laughs) i think it's a great idea let's do it because ron smackdown can't suck any more than they do already
2: that is also true we do have (laughs) best friends that own all of the female belts and uh And, uh, you know, a guy that's held the belt 13 times fighting your world champion, who you're going to take the title off of. Who's the Intercontinental Champion at this point? AJ. AJ Styles. Oh, yeah. Well, That's one of the only
1: things that I like about it, and he wasn't on this last uh, SmackDown. Uh, Let's see. Mandy got her hair cut. She attacked Sonya for being evil. Uh, um, Now I guess it's going to be Miz and Morrison going against Heavy Machinery forever. Uh, what else happened? Um, Biggie didn't even have a match, but they talked about how he's going to have an awesome singles run. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of nothing on Raw SmackDown. I mean, this honestly. is
2: very this is very unfair to uh, t- like not Tucker, but the other heavy machinery guy. What the hell is his name? Otis. It's very unfair for him. How's he going to pin someone under the water after they die to win the title? <laughs> like. How the hell do you, how do you cash well, in the money in the bank?
1: <laughs> Bronn did show up last night, uh, at least on the Titan Tron. He made it out of the swamp, and now he's the evil bron that uh, he was back when he was killing Roman, apparently. They're just trying to erase the last, like, two years of booking him into fucking obscurity. Uh, so he's, it's, he it's called good.
2: out the Fiend, and the Fiend looks scared. Actually, I didn't think that was that bad. I mean, it was debatable on whether they were killing Roman, and I definitely remember them getting fucked up by The Undertaker and Kane, so I don't know what they're talking about,
1: but... Well, either way, I think we can call that as a show. We brought you a detailed, uh, you know, look at... Uh, talking chopping Mania. Well, we kind of went into it. But we did go over Impact. We did go over NXT. And we did go over AEW, which is really, honestly, at this point, the only shows that matter. And we kind of gave our opinions on certain things about Raw and SmackDown. I promise, guys, next week we'll get it back on format. We'll do the separate show with the three non-main WWE things. So we'll do the Impact, AEW, NXT. We'll record it Thursday. Have it out for you usually Friday or Saturday. And then Saturday, we will record the uh, the SmackDown and Raw reviews and have them up by Sunday or Monday, basically. So we'll have that back in order. But this week, you got a four-hour super show with me and Christopher. And uh, yeah, I think it was a pretty good show. Very informative. Um, and, uh, you know, no, no, no uh, negativity whatsoever towards the end. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, if you guys want to reach me, I am not on Facebook anymore, uh, so if you would like, you can go to Twitter, DayNouse42, message me, we can talk about some stuff, and have a jolly old time. Uh, Go to GeekVibesNation.com, that's GeekVibesNation.com, and check out a lot of different news articles, we have all of our podcasts on there, you can find our pages on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook, Search on Google if you want to find all of our our audio formats for our podcast for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on um, YouTube, we are on Spotify, all the major ones, SoundCloud. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother A. Patton. Uh, I know that you have a hockey show coming up soon, and, uh, you know, love the show. Uh, Good talking to your brother. Say goodbye to all the people
2: out there. Yeah, for sure. We have a show coming out. It should be up later, probably after I post this one. Um, Skate's Throats. We're going to do it at 7.30 tonight. We're going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, 2014 playoff. Uh, and some surprising eliminations, I should say. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you want to talk about hockey, you want to talk about wrestling, you want to talk about boxing, uh, yeah, you can hit me at, at @ChrisRPat on Twitter. That's the best way to reach me, and then I think Dane. I think me and you might be doing another show this weekend.
1: Oh yes, I almost forgot about that, guys. I'm uh, not only am I happy about uh, Chris being with me on it, but I am making my return in almost probably over a year to Geek Vibes Live, a show that I helped start and talks about movies. Chris, I'm not. I haven't been into movies. As much as I have been, like you know, within the last couple of years when I was doing the show, so I got the notes from um, from Tia, and I'm kind of scared because I don't know a lot of the topics, so I'm gonna have to do some investigating.
2: Yeah, are you looking forward to it? I'm definitely looking forward to it, but I also have to do some investigating because should, Tia just did a great interview about it, or not an interview, but a review about a Lance Armstrong-esque movie. And then I was like, hey, you should check out this guy because he's the person that said that Lance Armstrong was a cheater. We had a whole conversation about it. And then uh, anyways, she sent me uh, a bunch of stuff I have no idea about. So I got a lot of catching up to do.
1: But it's (laughs) good to go back to my roots, and I'm glad that my brother-in-arms, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, will be with me on that. So definitely we'll have that out. Uh, I don't know if we're recording it live on Blog Talk or if we're doing it over Skype. If we're doing it over on Blog Talk, we'll be live on Blog Talk at 8 o'clock, I believe. If not, you guys will probably be able to hear it Monday. So definitely look for that on the uh, Geek Fives Nation page and or audio platform. For sure.
2: Well, I mean, well, that's all for me, Dane. And so that's much. all
1: for me. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful time, whatever you're doing right now, and join us next week for our next show. You guys have a great one. Let the Geek Fives be with you, and peace out.
0: Head. Just to go in the face